to another episode of the Last Ones In podcast. I am your host, Jariah Archuleta, and with me today, we have Robbie. Hello. E. Hello. And then from a different part of Colorado, we have my sister Samantha again. Hola. Como esta? <laughs> and the movie that we're taking a look at today is going to be the first in our entire October of looking at horror movies all month long. Wow. Nice. Which is, uh, the film is The Shining. Came out in 1980. So that's fun. So watch the old Kubrick one then. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, start, we're gonna start with The Shining and, uh, end with a nice capper for the month too. Which nice. will leave a mystery until it Until, until it we get out. to that point. It's The Shining again. It's, yeah, it's just The Shining again. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get to all that... Gotta ask you guys, E. Hello. What's been going on in life? Uh, classes have been ramping up. Um, one of my classes, I had to make a prototype essentially. After working on it ten hours, I just I was sitting there. I'm like, this just isn't fun. So I scrapped that game. And I've been working on a new game where your goal is to make a pizza. Yeah, and he was telling me about it. It sounds incredibly silly. Yeah. Like, in a really great way, though. <laughs> I'm almost done coding the ability to wash your hands, so. <laughs> Other than that, not a whole... Oh, actually, no, I beat a, I beat another random mini game called uh, Dyland. Dyland. Yeah, you're on a tiny, like, world. Is it shaped like a die? No. Oh. Do you die a lot? No. I don't think you... Actually, you probably can die. You have a health bar. I just never got low enough. Oh. Do you, like, dye things different colors? No. <laughs> it's, Is there a reason why it's called dye land? I think it's another language. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a fun little experience. It went on a little too long, but... 45 minutes? No, it actually took me, like, 10 hours. Oh, wow, that's actually a decent-sized game. Yeah, but most of it's a little... It's a little padded, honestly. Uh... Like, a, a lot of that was just waiting. What's the gameplay like? Okay, so it's kind of like Harvest moon style on an island except there's also a bunch of action stuff you can do like fight huh so like stardew valley uh yeah maybe you can fight someone on stardew valley yeah you can fight a lot you you can go into caves and like do mining and fight bosses and stuff huh well also it was apparently a mobile game that was ported to steam which i didn't know and it made the transition fairly well Hmm. but also i could tell after that because uh there's a lot of just like hey you wait 10 minutes for this prop to grow Ah, uh, yeah, that, that's could, very mobile. You could throw water on it to make it grow faster. <laughs> yeah, you and have to buy these packs fun. in order to get the water. You gotta pay five dollars for the water bucket. I mean, maybe when it was on the phone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Just a little long and too much. Just hey, we can't progress the story unless this per- certain shop shows up. And man, they sure didn't for a long time. <laughs> oh. But it's fun enough. Nice. But uh, what's been going on in your life? Ah. <sighs> ah. <sighs> oh. <laughs> uh, I had an interesting day yesterday. Uh, that's probably the most interesting thing that happened to me all week is, uh, I guess I should say, like, earlier I had to get my keys replaced because uh, I gave my spare key to Jill and she lost it during uh-huh. the time that, like, you know, they cut a hole in her ceiling. And, uh, Did so she I- lose it in the hole? I- <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, she ended up losing the keys, so I had to get new keys, which, you know, since I live at a what used to be an old hotel place, they just give us key cards. Mm-hmm. 
And then whenever I came home from work on Friday, I went and I put gas in my car and I came back and she was like shoulder rushing my door. <laughs> and I went up to her and like, I was like, oh, so you can't get in because uh, I think I told you this, like my door's basically been broken the entire time I've lived there. Yeah, you have to open and, a very specific way. Yeah, you have to open up a very specific way. And at this point in time, you actually have to kind of like push it up. Like she's watched me do it a couple of times because I can do it on the first try. But usually when I do it on the first try, I have to like kind of bump it with my, my shoulder. And <laughs> well, no, I just like bump it with my shoulder. But uh, she was, like, just straight-up shoulder-rushing it. <laughs> and so I went up there to go check to see what was going on. And, like, I got it open. And then she's like, no, 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 I got to try. And she tried opening it and, like, did it aggressively. And what happened is my door handle was breaking. And, yeah, and we had just, like, broken it. Our, we, it just broke the rest of the way, basically. So now it just didn't open. So you were just locked out. Yeah, so I was just locked out of my apartment. And the fun thing cool. about that, since I work night shift, I get off work at 7 a.m. And my apartment complex doesn't open up until 9 a.m. So we just waited. <laughs> and then had to call maintenance, let them know what was going on, and they replaced the door handle. And I told them, like, yeah, like, is there anything you can do about the internal mechanism about it? Because, like, on the inside of, like, on the inside of my house, it's fine. Like, it, it takes zero effort to open up my door, basically. But on the outside of my door, it's loose. So it's hard to open it, so... I guess, like, the one bright side about it is it's damn near impossible for someone to break into my apartment unless they just break a window. Well, good thing you only have two <laughs> giant windows. Yeah. <laughs> they can fit a truck through if you broke the windows. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, he replaced the door handle and, like, let us in finally. And, like, it was, like, 11 o'clock by the time I went to bed that day. Yeah, that's the most interesting thing that's happened to me so far. But I asked him, like, if he was going to replace the actual, like, out either the outside of the door or, like, the internal mechanism because the, in- the internal mechanism's bent which is why it's easier on one side than the other to actually fi- fix it. And they think that maybe a previous occupant may have tried to kick in the door at one point in time. <laughs> huh. It's did a great place that I live, if you can t- can't tell. Did they just tell you your shit out of luck then, or what? He, he's like, oh, yeah, we we ordered one, but we got to wait for it. So if you can just be patient and keep doing what you've been doing to open the door, that'd be great. You know for a fact they did not <laughs> order one. <laughs> I mean, the fun thing about that is he can't open my door either, so... <laughs> So he's like, yo, let me in. I need to do an inspection. You're like, sorry, no one's home. I, I don't know how anymore. <laughs> the insides broke too. Guess you'll have to replace the door. <laughs> See, that, that's the trick, Rob. You just got to fully break the fucking thing. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but if they have a camera, they can charge him for that. He'll be on the inside. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, technically my day yesterday since that <laughs> happened at like seven in the morning yesterday. Sweet. But, you know, time's weird for me because I work vampire shifts. Yeah, it's uh, actually adjusted schedule. I mean, if you want to talk about it in a bureaucratic sense, then yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you trying to make sure you don't offend the vampires listening to the podcast? That's half of our listenership. <laughs> Romania is big for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Sam, how have you been? Doing all right. I haven't had any... Uh, great adventures like you have had. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call that a great adventure. I'd, I'd more or less call that an inconvenience. <laughs> the hero's journey you went through. <laughs> um, basically just work and that's really all, guys. There's not really much that happens when you live alone and work alone and have no friends. <laughs> See, that's why you gotta make work fun. You know, you gotta like drink le- half the bottle before you sell it. <laughs> learn, learn like crafts. Like, hey, what if I made a Molotov today? What would that be like? <laughs> and then just try that. See what happens. 
I don't think anybody would appreciate that. Well, maybe some people would. Well, then he can use it to threaten the next rude person at the (laughs) drive-thru. Just over the intercom. (laughs) I have a Molotov and I'm not afraid to use it. No, no, no. It's it's an old liquor store, E. It doesn't have an intercom. You go up and it's a window that opens. Oh. Yeah. I have a Molotov. (laughs) Just put your hand in front of your... Yeah. (laughs) I have a Molotov. Why are you putting your hand in front of your face? I will use it. Please vacate the premises. (laughs) (laughs) And... (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to steal your thunder there, E, so I was just waiting for you to say it. (laughs) And how is... (laughs) The esteemed host with the mediumist. Oh, I got downgraded? Yep. Oh, damn it. You know what you did. I'm sharing the most with everyone, so we're we're all collectively medium now. Even here, it doesn't matter. (laughs) He's here in spirit. He gets a piece of the pie. Yeah, he still gets pie. Okay. Um... Oh, so Rocky gets five. I don't get five. No, you don't get anything. You have to come here. Rocky has an excuse. He's in a different state. You need to drive two hours to record a podcast and then drive two hours back at like two in the morning. Yeah, Sam, don't be selfish. Also, Rocky knows wow. how to threaten us uh, properly with the Molotov cocktail. You don't. Yeah, you don't even know how to make one. Yeah. <laughs> Learn. <laughs> that is your homework for this week. You better know how to make one by next week. <laughs> All right. How is the Let medium me host? Better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I keep, keep uh, talking over you. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm all right. Things are okay. Uh, I've not really done anything this week either. I drew a bunch of butterflies on boxes at work after spending like, I don't know, like 10 hours just sorting a bunch of candy to make sure it wasn't expired that another store sent us. There was a lot of it expired. You get to keep the expired candy? No, no. We are sending it back to them and charging them for the expired candy. I didn't know that stores could do that. Yeah, you just, there's like an internal system. They send us a thing. We just go into the system and be like, hey, we sent this thing. And then like, okay, cool. And then we trade money. Even though it's all the same company, it's dumb. Huh. But yeah, I just drew a bunch of butterflies on boxes. So anyway, Jariah, why were you drawing butterflies on boxes? <laughs> yeah, it's just how we wanted to check that we marked the box off correctly. Just, you know, this, bo- this, bar- mo- this box has been checked, so now there's a butterfly on it. It has to be a butterfly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you do a lot of work at work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time, I just work all the time. I'm, I work super hard. Yeah. They really appreciate me. Yeah, to stay in overtime, and they happen to have a movie on during overtime. Yeah, yeah. for some reason, somehow my PS4 got there for overtime. It was really weird. Um, <laughs> uh, that place isn't the worst, actually. Anyway, yeah, let's get on to the movie. Okay. okay. So, like I said, this week we are watching The Shining. I have seen this movie quite a bit. I love horror movies. Robbie? I've also seen it quite It's been years since I've watched it, but I watched it a lot growing up. I I think this is probably one of the horror movies that got me into horror movies. Not the, but one of them that kind of like brought me up to where I am now in horror movies. Right. And Sam? Yeah, I've seen it. It's. I think it's been a while since I've actually seen it. I've probably seen... There's a um, another remake, isn't there? Or an adaptation, right? That came out in like the 90s? Yeah, so there are two adaptations of it, I guess, fun fact. Um, there is this, the Stanley Kubrick adaptation which Stephen King quite famously really, really hates. Um, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he is, 
Like it's it's very strange actually. There's a lot of weird behind the scenes drama with this movie because Stephen oh, King yeah. <laughs> like hates this adaptation because it does change quite a bit from the books. And he came out of it basically like out of the premiere screening being like, this is fucking garbage. Like Kubert clearly doesn't care about the source material at all. He doesn't care about me. Uh, he just went in to try and make his own thing and he's profiting off of my name. Um, he hated it. He called it basically a garbage fire of a film. And then since it was the 1980s, Stephen King, he did a bump of cocaine and then drove off in his Lamborghini. Yeah, just, woo! (laughs) 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 Um, And then, yeah, there was a bunch of Kubrick being Kubrick, and Mm. uh, we'll get way into that. Yeah, this movie, uh, whenever we talk about Kubrick being a famous asshole, like, a lot of it had to deal with this movie. Yeah, this is where a lot of it came from. Not Uh, all of it. There was a lot of stories dealing with the Clockwork Orange, too, but mm -hmm. this one is infamous for being... Him being just a shitty person. And I think the reason for that is because this film was very well documented. Um, There are multiple documentaries with a bunch of behind-the-scenes footage showing how Kubrick treated certain people over other people. Like I said, we'll get into the specifics of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we'll end up talking about that when we talk about certain performances in the movie because I think that that really does paint how this movie was made, which this movie was made over a very long period of time. I'll say that right now, too. Yeah. E. Hi. You have, of course, not not seen seen this movie. movie. (laughs) Correct. I've in, in the yeah in the rare case <laughs> is the last one in yeah. <laughs> through osmosis I kind of have <laughs> right like the millions of Simpsons and any cartoon parody any pop culture parody really yeah. if yeah. they're gonna spoof any kind of horror if you don't do some sort of reference to The Shining you're what are you doing yeah it's illegal to not reference The Shining I'm it sure. might be actually <laughs> it might be in the SAG contract <laughs> um, well yeah I guess Hi. since you're the only one who hasn't seen it. I gotta ask you, what do you think this movie's gonna be about? So once again, I have seen, I have actually seen The Shining, which is of course the Simpsons version of it. (laughs) So uh, family goes into a hotel, and in the hotel, it's bad stuff, like blood out of the elevator and uh, bad work ethic. (laughs) And the father figure snaps at a point. Because all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Okay, okay. Then murder shenanigans happen. Okay, okay. And I don't know how it ends because I don't think it ends how the Simpsons one ends. <laughs> it might. I don't know how that one ends. I've not seen it. Um, but yeah, once again, I've actually seen the Simpsons adaptation of it. It's uh, years ago, but I remember the part with like the elevator. There was like, oh yeah, the elevator just does that from now from time to time. <laughs> so yeah, getting. Uh, I guess to spin this back around, uh, talking about the adaptations, there was a adaptation that was very very accurate to the book uh that stephen king himself produced he was yeah he was actually a part of it this time they were like hello mr king uh how would you like if we made a movie he was like are you gonna actually make it based off the book and they're like can yeah stephen king did have way more input in this he actually wrote the adaptation this time um and had his cameo which all of his little made for tv miniseries he always had a cameo in those kind of like a stan lee does nowadays but it was directed by mick garris it is extremely accurate to the book and if you really really like the book then the tv adaptation version far and away better the acting not as not as good yeah but i actually don't think it's technically bad it's bad like all of the stephen king miniseries were bad in a way they just had this level of cheese on them (laughs) it's actually one of those things uh i kind of want to go back at some point in time if i can actually even find it is uh, i want to watch rose red again I own it. Is that the oh, sequel to Rosebud? 
No. No, no God, no. no. <laughs> uh, that was a TV adaptation. I remember as kids, it scared the crap out of me, Andrea. But yeah. I have a feeling it won't as an adult. I mean, it's not does, hard but... to scare a child. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do have that, actually. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, e. Hi. There's a runtime. There is a rating. What? It's rated R. Uh, there's no reason for it, because it Cause... was in the 80s. Uh, 1980, to be specific. Um, but the runtime is you're not going to like... Seven hours. Uh, no, less than that. Uh, 144 minutes. So... Two and a half, basically. Oh, man. Yeah, that's um, long. And I'm going to say, since it's... You know what? I'm not going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that ruins the point of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back of the box. Oh, and I will say, uh, this is the back of the box to the 4K version that was released uh, whenever Dr. Sleep was released a few years ago. Yeah. So this is a 4K remaster of it, and this is the back of the box of that version. Of course, you have the 4K version. Of course. <laughs> <clears throat> Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall star and director Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's disturbing blockbuster horror novel. Writer Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, is a former alcoholic, accepts a job as the winter caretaker for a hotel high in the Rocky Mountains, isolating him, his wife, played by Shelley Duvall, and their psychic young son until spring. But when the first blizzard blocks the only road out, the hotel's stored energy from evil past deeds begins to drive Jack insane, and there may be no escape for his family in this haunting story of madness, memory, and violence. Violence? For the, the, for the people out there, mainly me, where can we watch this? Okay, so places you can watch this, because apparently there's a lot, but none of them are places you're going to want to watch them. Uh... If you have a premium subscription to either Sling TV, Fubo TV, or Philo, you can watch it there. But if not, then it's the usual suspects. It's YouTube, Vudu, Google Play, and Amazon Prime for $3.99. Yeah, none of those seem great. That, and I'm guessing, since it doesn't show it on Google, it, you probably can also watch this on um, Shudder. Is it on there? I would assume so. Yeah, it's on Shudder. Okay, so if you're one of the ten people who has Shudder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess let's go and watch the movie. Yeah. All right, cool. Talk to you guys in a little bit. And we are back from watching The Shining 1980, the original, not the TV adaptation. In 4K. In 4K, which yeah. I'm going to say, it looks really good. I mean, it has a lot of colors that pop, but it's very Kubrick for just to have, like, colors pop just because. Yeah. You could see it every was... individual hair. Honestly, like, the I'm, not, I'm just going to say it. Everybody knows the scene. The blood elevator thing looks really good. Yeah. It looked real red. Also, if you haven't seen that scene, this movie sure makes sure you have seen that scene. Oh, yeah. It makes sure you know that scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. I guess before we really get into any of it, though, we should start with the person who uh, hasn't seen it before. E, uh, non-spoilery take, what did you think of this movie? This is a really good movie. Oh, wow, okay. I actually didn't expect that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Expect the unexpected. My main issue is I think it's a bit long, but even when watching it, it doesn't feel long. Yeah. It just is, and it really needs a lot of that time, almost. Like, there's a couple things I would take out, obviously, but that's just because I would take everything out of almost any movie, but <laughs> like, it's just solid, and 
everything feels perfect for how it is. I, I just really don't know what else to say without really going into it. It's just a really solid movie. Wow, I I actually didn't expect that. I've got to say, I thought you were going to tear this one anew. A new one. Wow. <laughs> Why? What? I don't know. I just thought you were going to hate all of it. It's a horror movie. There's boobs at one point. There's many boobs at many points. Actually, there are a lot of boobs. Yeah. Actually, I, I really? get back. This movie sucks. Oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> There's too many tits. There's at least three pairs of tits. I know. That's yeah. that's three too many. No, actually, <laughs> there's at least four. I can really? I can count four. Yeah. Who else I has counted tits? three. Okay, so if we're <laughs> we're gonna count this well, one part twice. Well, we're counting Shelley Duvall, but like she doesn't really have tits, so I don't know if you want to count. <laughs> oh wait, no, I think I know where you're getting four. Actually, I think you know what I yeah. mean. Okay, we could go into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Solid, solid. Uh, worth a buy, honestly. I don't think I'd watch this movie again, but like just owning it seems fair. Wow. Wow. I, okay. That's a good way to start off October. <laughs> yeah. We, we, the world's ending now. E has liked a horror movie, even though I've liked many horror movies. <laughs> cool. All right. Robbie. Yeah. What do you think of this movie? It's okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you can't make that joke. I did that during Breakfast Club. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good movie. Uh, once again, this is one of those movies I think that kind of got me started on my path. Like this movie and The Exorcist, and weirdly enough, probably The Blair Witch Project are what got me into. I think initially got me into horror, but like it's they're kind of my stepping stones to get to that point. But right. I feel like this really was one of those movies. Um, I feel like you know watching it again as an adult, because I watched it a lot as a teenager and sometimes probably in middle school. It. Seems sillier now, but I think that also is kind of that 1980s flair to it. Um, I think it also doesn't help with like all the memes that people make of it, of like all the scenes and all the parts that people love to quote about this movie that kind of, I want to say throughout the years, kind of downplayed it a little bit. But all in all, I do agree with uh, E. It is a solid film. I'm not a fan of all the things that Stanley Kubrick did to make this film possible. However, it is a solid film. Yeah. I'd say it's a buy. Like this is definitely one of those um those classic collector movies, I guess you can call it. There's a reason why it went from, you know, four or from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to 4K Blu-ray just because it's one of those I want to say it's almost like a staple in filmmaking. Like this seems like that's one of those film this is one of those films that uh I don't know if they do watch it in film schools, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I would be shocked if they didn't actually. Yeah. Maybe just, if you're not if you like don't do horror, you could probably well not even from like a horror perspective, but like also like the way that they do certain sceneries and the yeah. way that they do still shots and the way that they do moving shots and They're, the way yeah. that they use colors to are uh, they use colors in a way that makes it to where uh, it gives substance or it gives a um, stylization to substance. Yeah, and hell, the f- the foley in this movie is really good too. The foley is really good. Um, like even just talking about the shots, there are shots that literally had never been done before that he did in this and techniques used that had never been done before that were done for this. But we'll get into that. There's yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of behind the scenes to get into with this yeah, movie. Yeah, there what is. Surprise. Like I said, with the stuff, like, i not a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick the person, but a lot of films that he's made he are very, very well done. And there's a reason why even today he's talked about as one of the greatest directors ever uh, that ever lived. Yeah. Hey, Sam, what do you think? Hey, I think a lot of things. <laughs> what do you think about this movie? About this movie? Okay. <laughs> so I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen this movie in its entirety, probably since I was a kid. 
And actually, I don't know if I've actually seen this movie in its entirety, like in one sitting ever until now. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great film. And I I do agree that it's a little long, but it doesn't feel that long because I feel like it's almost necessary because it's about uh, sort of the buildup and the tension and anxiety. But yeah, uh, it's great. Buy it, rent it, stream it, pass it, charge it, fart it, click upgrade it, pop it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Buy it if you like to buy movies. (laughs) Otherwise, otherwise stream it i'm sorry i don't know many people that actually buy movies you're related to one i know drive buys enough movies to count as like four people (laughs) it's not wrong probably (laughs) (laughs) but definitely watch it i wouldn't say pass i said definitely watch it let's bring it all back to the host um yeah i love this movie it is a staple of horror films. I think it's a staple of October. Um, I can't speak for Robbie or Sam, obviously, but um, for me, at least, I had, until I was an adult, I didn't realize how mature and kind of adult this movie was because it was always on TV. It's rated R. Right, but like the TV cut of it did, got rid of all the blood, it got rid of all the language, it got rid of all the nudity, and so it seemed just like a very... A guy who's angry and drinks alcohol when I was a kid. Like, that's what the movie seemed <laughs> yeah, that's like. still able to be shown on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And everything else. I mean, to be fair, like, my mom watched a lot of uh, Lifetime movies whenever I was growing up. And that was half of those Lifetime movies. It's just sure. that men are, men are awful and they will beat you because this is Lifetime. Yeah. Um, but, like... <laughs> I mixed up Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies in my head. It was really confused. <laughs> like wait what when did that happen there's sometimes nicer in hallmark movies <laughs> but yeah it's a uh, it's obviously one of the greats for a lot of reasons it it took many many liberties i'm not even gonna call them liberties it straight up just didn't follow the book in many places it didn't even just take liberties like it took exactly what it wanted from the book and changed a whole whole lot <laughs> kind of like ridley scott and blade runner yeah have you read the book? Because I haven't read the book. I did, actually. Um, was it after watching this movie? No, it was after after uh, Doctor Sleep came out. Oh. And I saw it in theaters. I was like, okay, I need to go back and read this book again. Because I did in my middle school years. And uh, I just didn't remember most of it. Like, most of Stephen King's stuff I read when I was way, way younger. And so I went back and started going through all of his collection. And that's why I'm stuck where I'm at now and hating him. And because <laughs> now I can see him through the lens of an adult. Yeah. And like, what the fuck? And you could just <laughs> stop reading them. I could. I could do that. Well, I'm not even technically I, reading them. It's audiobooks, but still. <laughs> I mean, with, I feel like dry with Stephen King at this point is like me whenever I get to the last level on a game and I refuse to take it off of hard mode. It's like, it's not that I <laughs> dislike him. It's that I just don't love him, but. God damn, do I respect him. <laughs> I just like this idea that reading is reading Stephen King is the hard mode of reading books. <laughs> well, you got this far. You have to finish it. I, I know. <laughs> anyway, back to The Shining specifically book. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, in spoilers, I'm going to get into a lot of what the differences are between it because there's a fuck ton, honestly. But yeah. This is definitely a Kubrick film more than a Stephen King story, which isn't bad. Kubrick's good at what he does. I love this movie. It's definitely worth a buy. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. I don't. Yeah. Everybody should watch it. It's it's a classic. 
I don't think it's too scary, but it does have a lot of tension building throughout the whole thing. Mm. Like you guys said, it like it, it doesn't feel long, but it is in fact long because, and I think you do actually need that in this because it's very much building that tension and watching this person go mad. Yeah, it. it is. Or this movie is very much playing the long game. Yes, it is, which it works. But I, it is true. I feel like you do need that extra building of tension, especially dealing with things like cabin fever and isolation and yeah, just yeah. All right. Well. I guess we'll take the rest of this conversation over to the spoilers and a lot of behind-the-scenes talk, because there's a lot to talk about there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you guys want to join us, here's your last chance to go watch the movie on all of those fake services that we mentioned, because I (laughs) refuse to believe they really exist. Um, (laughs) And then and Boo-Boo and (laughs) Bilbo. Sling and... (laughs) Yeah, Sling and... Cast. Bilbo and Philo. Philo Doe TV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) R-U-L. They're never sponsoring us now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be right back. And we're back. So, E. Hi. I, since you're the person that hadn't seen it, okay. and it is such a classic, um, and I, we, we have a ton of experience with it, uh, at least for the most part, I, what, what's, your, what's your thought? What's your brain doing with this movie? I told you, it's solid. Like, it's just so, when it was starting, I was not into it. Like. The first scene with how uh, Jack was talking to the hotel owner and, like, the phasing back to the house and just not explaining anything. I, I wasn't into it yet. Um, I think the first dialogue's not that good, honestly. Really? I find it, like, almost mesmerizing. It's almost like a trance I get put into. It's just something about it just feels... Well, I know it's a horror movie, so obviously it wants to feel off, but it doesn't feel like people talking right that's more my issue and like maybe there's like theories about that maybe the hotel manager expects this to go down exactly how it went down yada yada there's someone smarter than me who doesn't have a (laughs) monkey brain can (laughs) let me know there actually are theories about that too and uh mostly because it doesn't have anything or well i shouldn't say it doesn't have anything to do with the book but because it just straight up takes parts that are not in the book but i feel like a lot of that beginning Part of the movie is just foreshadowing and kind of laying the groundworks of what you should expect to happen moving on with it. That first meeting scene where he's getting an interview is straight up just fucking Exposition City. Yeah, yeah. like, honestly, <laughs> I feel like you could just start this movie and at when they all go to the hotel mm-hmm. and just kind of sprinkle that stuff in and I you don't lose much. Yeah, uh, because it had been so long since I've seen this movie... I had completely like thrown that beginning part of the movie out of my mind. I for so some reason I. was yeah, I was expecting the movie to start with the family driving up there and then like that interview scene is like him say, basically starting his first day there. Like that's how I remembered it. Yeah, it's like everything that everybody remembers of like these big old famous movies like Jaws even like everyone's like it's all fighting Jaws. But, like none of that movie's fighting I, Jaws. That, that was yeah. one of the like <laughs> this movie almost feels like kind of home alone in that regard where everyone remembers the big part Right. And not like the build up. At least in this movie, I want to say at least 30 minutes is the big <laughs> stuff. Whereas Home Alone, it's like five. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, but like, I don't, there's something like really entrans- entrancing. I, I think that's a word. Um, entrancing? Entrancing? I don't know. One of these words. Uh, like about the build up that it does, though. Like, it's really cool to watch this build up that it does. And it does it really well. And the, really, the biggest issues I have are these stupid time jumps they do. 
<laughs> right. You, yeah. you definitely did have an yeah. issue with that. <laughs> so, like, first off, the month skip is ridiculous. <laughs> just like, hey, we're here one month later. It's like, just, especially just the cut. It's like a YouTube cut. Actually, it's yes, it's almost like, like a comedy bah, YouTube one, cut. One month later. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, that. Never, um, it never really establishes, establishes exactly, exactly where we are in the timeline. No, and that's uh, my favorite just, part, because I think it's the next one where it just says Tuesday. And it's like, yeah. what day was it before? <laughs> Clearly not Tuesday. So I during guess. the interview, it, he does say that it starts, Monday, what was it, October? Course. Yeah, it's October 30th, isn't it? I don't remember. So it'd be like November 30th, a month later, and then it would be, uh, yeah, but the, like, beginning, be the beginning of December with that. But like, that's only if you're like super paying attention to the timeline, which I totally didn't do while oh. watching this movie. <laughs> and then, so another stupid, it also jumps every other day after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did make that on-running joke about that, because there was two things that made you laugh unironically. Like, the first one was whenever he's initially driving there for the interview, and then text come up across the screen saying yes, who plays the in the intro. movie. <laughs> yeah, so even, I was, like, watching it last night for, like, getting notes and stuff like that for me, I was like, oh man, he's not gonna like this. This looks like his Windows Movie Maker. It does! <laughs> it's so terrible! And the font color's the worst, because you can't read it half the time! <laughs> 1980-E. No, but... <laughs> but there's that, and then we had to keep making that joke of, like, because it goes to... I think it's, like, initially goes to Tuesday, doesn't yeah. it? And then after Tuesday. Tuesday. Thursday. Yeah, and then Thursday. It's like, what happened on Wednesday? <laughs> Nothing happened on Wednesday, E. Saturday. What happened on Friday? Nothing happened on Friday. E. <laughs> Monday. Whatever. I'm done. <laughs> and the one that got, I think the one that got me the most is 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just goes from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. You didn't know what time it was. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's because it's from the 80s, but a lot of those really are unnecessary. It doesn't matter that it started a month because obviously it's going to be some time. Right, actually, I honestly feel like this movie might be better if it took out those, like, hey, it's this day or, like, it's this time things, yeah. because it would make you feel more lost. Yeah, because, like, and anyway, yeah. you could tell that it's different days, they're wearing different clothes and stuff. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> I don't know, so, like, it's, I'm sure so Kubrick had his reasons for that, but he also has, like, he has strange ways of doing things with his movies anyways, so he, like, he's usually not that upfront about it. Like, usually he would, uh, from, like, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., like, knowing him, he would, like, just happen to have a clock in the background, and if you'd miss that clock, then it, that was your fault. I can see him doing that in some of his earlier films. This entire film was such a weird thing for Kubrick, actually, because he came off of a, a very big hit for him. He still wasn't able to get funding to do a biopic that he wanted or something like that. Huh. Um, very weird. And so he's like, okay, fuck it, I'll do this then. This movie was in pre-production for a long, long time, because he was just getting it ready and prepared. And he immediately knew uh, what he wanted to do with this. Like, when he bought the rights from Stephen King, because he just straight up bought the rights. Like, he just has them for okay. the film. Um, he knew immediately when he bought them that he was going to change everything. Like, he straight up admitted it. He was like, yeah, when I buy the rights to this, I'm going to change a lot of things. I don't like how a lot of things go. And so that's what he did. He never intended to keep it close to the source material at all. And in fact, there are small little slight jabs at Stephen King almost. That if you didn't read the book, you wouldn't notice. But it's a real small thing. Like, the dumbest thing that was like a, t a little kid would do, it feels like to somebody else when they were like in third grade. The bug that they have is like the car. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, is yellow, right? Yeah. Slug bug. Yeah. Uh, well, in the book, it's red. Um, <laughs> and the snowplow thing that they drive, uh, you know how it's red? Yeah. 
Well, that's yellow in the book. <laughs> what? <laughs> he just wanted. He just changed them. Just fuck you, Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first off, yellow makes more sense for a snowplow. I'm gonna argue because you know mm-hmm. you're yeah. supposed to be able to see it. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so tough. Yeah, it's just Kubrick being like, mm, "I'm just gonna change this because fuck you." I've I've genuinely. Cur- I mean, did he just keep the characters and that's and the hotel aspect and just changed everything else? So I guess let's get into it. Yeah. Um. So the things that are the same are the quote-unquote drunken accident uh, where he breaks Danny's arm uh, because we learn early on in the movie that uh, Jack, we learn very early on, is an alcoholic. So you get exposition from uh, Shelley Duvall's character saying like how one night he just used a little too much strength in his accents. I think you do a hundred times at the park or on the street. And this one time he just used too much strength and he broke the kid's arm. You know, like you do. (laughs) And so we learn that he has an anger problem and a drinking problem very early on. That's from the book. That's in the book. Mm. Um, there's far more detail into it, obviously, I because it Stephen fucking King. ruins Danny. And he has no idea what his connection to his father is at all. Like, that's, that's literally all he has is that his dad drinks and that his dad is angry. That's, that's the emotional connection he has to his father. I'd argue that's kind of how the movie is, too. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, like, he's definitely, like... The few scenes you get with just Danny and his father, you can tell there's this distance between Very them. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it through the screen. It's actually really good. So he kept that. He kept how the mom and uh, Jack don't get along. Mm-hmm. Wendy. Wendy. Thank God. Yes. Because, yeah, I always think of Wendy's whenever. Winifred or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's short <laughs> Wendy. to Wendy. Um, like, it's one of those things because, like, um, you know, Jack Nicholson, the guy who plays the main character, is Jack Torrance in the thing. So... And no, then the Jack kid and Jack, Danny, and then is yeah, Danny. Um, then Danny Torrance is Danny Lloyd in real life. So Danny and Danny, and then Wendy and she- uh, Shelley. Yeah, it's just so. yeah, it throws me off, <laughs> but uh, it's understandable. But yeah, uh, they changed the appearance of the characters a lot from the book. Like in the book, uh, Wendy is blonde hair, blue eyed, extremely attractive. Like that's basically how she's described. Like basically a model. And then like I just I love the idea of Kubrick reading that and being like. Mm, I want her to look like a pencil. <laughs> what? I don't know. That's what Shelley Duvall looks like to me. She looks like a pencil. <laughs> what? What's know. that mean? What she uh, she's very, she's like a straight line. What? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Sam, back me up here. A friend was telling me that she looks like a product of spaghettification. <laughs> she's just like, wow. Sucked into what? Black <laughs> what are you people on? What? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say she's a person. What is the world? I mean, if you had to compare her to anybody, I was going to compare her to olive oil from Popeye, but. Oh, she does look like olive oil. That's a less offensive way of talking about a real person. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, when you're right, you're right, Robbie. (laughs) Uh, Change the appearance of her. Change the appearance of Jack quite a bit. Was he also blonde haired? Blue eyes. No, but he's, descri- he's described as being like an everyman, but like still buff and very manly. <laughs> so Blue not eyes, white dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's an everyman in the same way that in the 70s and 80s, they're trying to make Arnold Schwarzenegger an everyman. Yes. Okay. Of. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Danny's basically the same, yeah. except I do think he's blonde in the book because the mom is blonde. I mean, those are just like, that's changes that are kind of fair in a book right. to a movie. Right. Like it, it makes like, sense. Like you want to cast who you want to cast. Like... A race change, I might throw a couple, like a halt. Right, but, right, like, right. That's just like hair color. Who cares? Um, so the biggest changes are with the um the connections to 
the psychic powers of the Shining. I was gonna add. So I I should say this now. Um, <laughs> the Shining parts honestly kind of not important for a movie called The Shining. Yeah, which is very different in the book. That's definitely the concentration in the book, and most of it, like, you get three perspectives. You get Wendy's perspective, you get Jack's perspective, and you get Danny's perspective in the book, and they're all written very differently, and it's very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I like Danny's perspective the most because you get to see his and then his outside view with The Shining and him, like, learning about what The Shining is um, from the chef guy. Yeah. And um, his is really fun. Jack's is mostly him just being angry all the time and drunk. Like, that's basically his entire story in the book. And then Wendy is scared the whole time. Right. The big changes come with how much detail is put into there and the ending, which the ending is, um, what's the chef guy's name, Robbie? Uh, Scatman Crotters, which is... Uh, well, that's his real name, but what's it, his... Oh, uh, Dick Halloran. Right, how yeah, did I forget Dick. that? Because Stephen King very purposely named him Dick. Because he just... I, I swear to God, Stephen King named the chef guy Dick Halloran because he wanted to make dick jokes. I'm not kidding. The way that he says his name in the book every time, and like he's in a couple of other Stephen King books too, um, like that specific character. Yeah. So Stephen King has a, a whole universe. Yeah, like Stephen all of his King stuff un- is cinematic universe. Yeah. Like actually, yes. Yeah. But yeah, like all of his stories are connected because of The Shining and It and stuff like that. Like Dick Halloran has an entire chapter in It. It's like fucking whatever. He's huh. like, but I'm a dick. No, it's nice not him being in the you. army and how he was a chef before. I'm Sergeant Dick. It's 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 kind of weird. I shoot straight. <laughs> no there's a lot of times in when he's talk about talking about dick halloran where he's like bring me dick now I'm like come on you know he's what like, you're doing all Stephen right King. zip <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like uh dick halloran changes a lot because uh big spoilers last chance dick halloran dies in this yes uh very unceremoniously right he's he's also a big reason why i say the shining's not even important in this movie right because all it does is get him, t- it quote-unquote gets him to go to the hotel. Yes. And he dies. And so, <laughs> uh, the Shining, the Simpsons one, <laughs> yes. that's kind of what happens in there, too, where, like, w- Groundskeeper Willie shows up and then is immediately killed. I was like, oh, that's a funny joke, because he's supposed to, like, be this big person. <laughs> no, that's how it goes in the movie! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, in the book, Danny and uh, Halloran mm-hmm. talk all the time with the Shining, because Dick straight up says like i've never seen anybody as powerful as you ever like you're the most powerful person i've ever seen with this and i've talked to a lot of people with the shining it also gets into maybe he didn't like his his grandpa and stuff a lot too but you know you don't get to have all that detail in movies no that's yeah. not enough time which right. in the movie er, yeah i guess in the movie uh because whenever he has that conversation with danny whenever he's eating ice cream he tells him that the, uh him and his grandma used to talk all the time but he never met anyone else with the shining other than her mm-hmm. so that is another change. I thought he yeah. said he made, met a bunch of people with The Shining. No, no, no. He was saying in the book he met a bunch of people no, with I, The Shining. I thought in the movie that's what Dick said as he was doing so that conversation. He, he does say that people have The Shining and may not even know it. Right. Yeah. Um, but the only one he's talked to that knows yeah. that they had The Shining was his grandma. Yeah. So it goes into more detail about that in the book, too, saying like that Jack probably has The Shining as well because it's actually brought down through the family tree. It's not just you have it one day. Like, everybody does have a little bit of it, but there's some family lines that have way more of it, and they may not even know it. And that's actually why Jack winds up going insane, is because he has this huge connection to, why can't I think of names? The hotel. Gary. Stanley? Overlook? Overlook. Thank Overlook. Um, it's based on Stanley. Yeah, yeah. And he has this huge connection to Overlook. And, right. like, it sucks him in, and it's it just full of ghosts, and is very psychic, the house oh, itself. so that's why he does all the 
Like that's why he ends up going crazy and like he thinks he's drinking all the time and stuff like that. Right. And so it goes way, way more into that. And Danny and Halloran have a huge connection in the book that it doesn't really get to go into in the movie. No, they barely talk, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. And then in the book, when Halloran comes to the hotel, he saves them. He straight up does. Like, he takes a few hits, but he does end up saving them, and he lives. So that's basically another jab at Stephen King, then. Yeah. And then the other really, really, really big difference is the maze is mentioned, but it's not, like, a big thing in the book. Mm -hmm. The big thing that happens in the book is the boiler. Like, Jack continuously goes down to the boiler. It's this whole thing. He's taught how to use it, and, like, if he fucks up, then it's going to blow up. Which I do mention in the movie, but that's kind of a throwaway line in the movie. Right. It's saying, like, basically your job here is to make sure that the boilers don't over, like, because the boilers, you know, keep heat going throughout the entire uh, hotel complex. And during the wintertime, they have a tendency to overload themselves. And it's your job to make sure they don't overload themselves. That's more or less a throwaway line in this movie. Yeah, that is a constant in the book. Uh, He's constantly going down there. It's like every seven hours or something has to go down there and do some stuff with the boiler. Or else it will explode because it's very, very old. And so eventually what happens is Halloran comes and distracts him long enough with Danny and Wendy's help. And he eventually like, no, no, I can't let this place blow up because he's basically possessed by the hotel at this point. And so he goes down to try and stop the boiler, but it's too late. Boiler explodes. Place burns down. Wendy, Danny, Halloran all get out safely. That's how the book actually ends. Also, there's like hedge animals that try and stop them at some point, which is weird. I don't know. Like the last two hours of that book is Stephen King describing Danny running almost. It's really not Uh, good. It's not good. (laughs) But yeah, so like that's a pretty big difference. So that's actually kind of, so that's kind of fun Cause like one of the things I really like about this movie is the uncertainty of what's actually happening. Like right. if it's actually yeah. haunted. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, the movie does do a really good job of leaving that for you to decide for you to figure right. out on your own. Cause like even Danny, like it's brought up really early that, uh, Tony, the child in his mouth. Um, Oh yeah. You know, is... uh, which, yeah. By the way, I, I want to bring this up real quick. Uh, when Danny came on set, uh, nobody was expecting him to do the thing or the voice. Uh-huh. Um, he just did that, and Kubrick was like, that's fucking great. We're doing that forever. <laughs> just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, the kid just made that up himself. Nice. But, um, like, even that, like, they established early on that he didn't start doing that until after the incident. Yes. Which is actually a really cool touch, because then it's like, is this just Danny's mind coping, or is there actually this weird connection, and... Just a bunch of stuff like that, like the room 237 when Jack goes in. Did he actually go in and do weird gross ghost stuff? Or, like, is that (laughs) the wife and Danny imagining that? Like, what is... Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the movie does a really good job of getting rid of the supernatural, which is something that uh, Kubrick and the woman that helped write it, um, they wanted to make a point of that. They They didn't want any supernatural in it, actually. And then he eventually had to give in um, with the part where Jack gets locked into the uh, storage room. Well, even then, like, it's not unheard of for those to have an emergency escape. Right, right. Um, but that was, like, their one thing of, like, there has to be a ghost here. So, like, yeah, they wrote, they wrote in there that, like, definitely a ghost helped him out. But they wanted it to seem like maybe anything could be going on and for you to have your own idea of what's happening. Right, yeah, so that's cool. Um, the part uh, I didn't like is the uh, the furry blowjob. Um, <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like that part because yeah. nobody likes that part. That is kind of one of those like, why is this in the movie kind of moments. Yeah, Sam, but, the guy in the bear costume giving the blowjob. I don't 
don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's like a 30-second scene. It's Shelley Duvall's character, Wendy, when she's running away with the knife after she locks Jack in the storage thing. She's running away upstairs. She stops, looks right, and a guy in a in the book, it's a dog costume, because this is in the book, too. It's much, <laughs> Oh, good. It's better explained in the book. Okay, I'll get so into you're that. you're not actually fucking with me. No. I just, like... No, that's this is <laughs> yeah. So somebody in a dog costume who no no no, is, it's a bear costume in the oh, movie. Okay, well sorry, bear costume. Thank you. Uh, in a bear costume, but it's in a onesie with the flat our back flap taken off. Yeah, you can see, and then, you can like, see his butt. Yeah, and, and then like he like looks up while a man that was laying on the bed also looks up at her at the same time. Like, do you mind? Uh, and it's very clear that the man in the bear costume is giving fellatio to the man in the suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, How did I miss that part? What the hell? <laughs> was that what we called you? <laughs> That might have been. <laughs> um, no, you called me like during the maze part. <laughs> okay. It's like right before that. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you just forgot. Maybe it was so traumatic that you just. <laughs> Honestly, that part it. is so what the fuck. It is. Like, um, these guys were laughing because like as soon as I saw it, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Remove that from the movie. Well, make it a so... different weird thing. I don't care. Just. Well, I removed it from my brain. Yeah. So So it it is in the book, but it is um, a dog costume. Um, It's actually a kind of a big part of the book. The old owner is the guy in the suit. The old, the the guy who used to be the owner of the hotel. And he had a dog. No, uh, he was having an affair with a man. Again, uh, without anybody knowing, obviously, because it was the times. Yeah. And um, he had affairs with men. Yeah, you know, the 30s. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, no, um, and so, like, they would basically only, it was, it was him and a guest. Right. And every year he would come for the New Year's party. And every New Year's party he'd be in a different costume and he would be in a costume so nobody would know it was him. And they'd sneak off to a room and have an affair. And uh, they both ended up dying or murdering each other or something like that. I'm failing to see the part where this, is actually, this makes it relevant to the story. Because uh, it's really weird. There's nothing, there's nothing. It's just Stephen, Stephen I mean, yeah. King wrote Stephen a weird King. thing and Kubrick. Everybody. Yes, the guy who does coke <laughs> just everywhere, or used to, and uh, Kubrick decided, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking weird, okay, I'll put that in. Whatever, fine. <laughs> um, from the movie anyways. Yeah, and then like the other, there's uh, the other big ghost I think that you don't really get explained is the woman in 237, room 237. Yeah. It doesn't drowned, explain right? her at all at all in the movie. And it explains her slightly more in the book. Um, yeah, so like watching the movie, I don't know. I don't, I never knew whether or not to interpret it as like, is there actually like a old lady corpse in there? Or <laughs> did an old lady just die in there at some point and it's just like a ghost or like. Let me know. enlighten you. No. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so in the book, what is going on with that is that. The woman is a guest, obviously, and she would always stay in room 237. And she was there every season. Every summer season, she would stay there the whole season. Um, And her thing was that she stayed there when she was very young. She lost her husband, I think it is. And so since she lost her husband, she would continue to try and find company through younger men. uh, Constantly younger men. Even when she was aging, she still had this thing about her to where she was able to capture younger men's attention and bring them back to her room. And everyone... Loved her, and she thought they thought she was great. She was kind of a bitch, but they thought she was great. But she was always sleeping with these younger men. And then she just stopped appearing one season. And younger men were curious, and they were like, okay, I guess she just left, and she was done. She was too old for this. She was fairly old. Mm-hmm. And then one day, eventually, 
they go in and they just see that she died in the tub. They don't know why. There were no wounds. Uh, didn't drown at all. It didn't seem like any health problems happened at all to her, actually. She just one day died and molded up in the tub, basically. And so her ghost is attached to the hotel in doing that. And so uh-huh. whenever uh, Danny goes in there and he sees that, this is basically like an old lady being like trying to suck the shining out of Danny um, and Jack, which is why they're the two attracted to it. And Wendy isn't because she doesn't have the shining. But uh, Danny goes in there. He's like, fucking I'm six. What the fuck? <laughs> and, uh-huh. um, yeah, I'm glad they left that part out of the movie. It doesn't actually go too much into that in the book either, which is, which is actually good. Yeah. Um, but when Jack goes in there, he's, he's a youngish man, basically. He's supposed to be like 30. Oh, is he? He looked kind of 40. Right. He's supposed to be pretty young still. Um, <laughs> and he goes in there and he starts getting freaky with this girl. Like, no questions. He's just like, I feel drawn to this. This feels right. And then he looks in the mirror. He's like, oh, shit, she's moldy and has wounds and worms and everything coming out of her. And she's gross. And then he runs away. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, wait, what have I tongue? And then, like, he opens his mouth and, like, a worm crawls out. And then... No, they do they do get freakier in the book. But, yeah, so that, that's her story. And so, like, that's kind of why he's so drawn to her and why, like, that's what happens. Uh, like, with a lot of this stuff, I don't really know how much that really adds to it, though. Like, I, this movie works completely fine without it. Yeah, I think it's just to add more ghost stuff. Yeah, I guess. more questions. I mean, weirdly enough, like, because I never read The Shining book, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have known that. Uh, in my brain, whenever I was thinking, like, why they would put that in there, for some reason I was thinking that there was a witch that was attached to the hotel. And, you know, that's the thing about, like, the old witch tales is that uh, they were really old, but they had ways of using mat- uh, dark magic to make themselves seem younger. So it was like she seemed younger up until that point and then turned into an old witch. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I saw it, at least, but... Yeah, it's basically in the book she's using her young beauty to get them in, and then once she feels she has them to, so she can suck their energy out, then she goes her back to her true self. form, yeah. yeah. Which is, like I said, very old-school witch right, craft right. to do something like that. So that's where my brain went with it, at least. Yeah. Uh, I still just like the uncertainty of the general movie. Like, yeah. I honestly don't think I would like this book because it feels like it needs tries to explain everything. It does explain everything. Right. Um, this is one of those things to where it's not true to the book at all, really. And I think the movie's better, actually. Well, it, it barely and, sounds like it's even the same movie, honestly. Right, it's like basically it, just the characters and the fact that there is a haunted hotel. Right, and neither of those are that Yeah, the, the right. fact of not knowing and people bringing their own theories to what is actually going on with that hotel kind of is half the charm to this movie. Yeah, it's really fun. It feels like you're trying to unravel a mystery and it never lets you unravel it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, either that or you're trying to unravel the mystery, given exactly the same amount of information as the people who are involved in said mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, in the non-spoilery stuff, we were talking about how I would be shocked if this is not taught in film schools, because this was one of the first films to use the um, uh, Steadicam. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, not the tricycle. Although it is funny with the tricycle. Like, in my head, like, I always have that, like, uh, wood floor carpet, wood floor carpet sound like this. Yeah. Yeah. Kubrick also didn't plan for that. He didn't realize that it would make such a different sound until there was the mic uh, right there next to it when it was doing that. Mm-hmm. And so that was just another really nice surprise for him. Like, oh, that sounds really good. Let's keep it. I honestly thought they did that purposefully, but. Right. Because it feels very purposeful. It does. Um, but but yeah, it no. also does make sense for hard plastic wheels to make that sound on yeah. <laughs> hardwood floors in a what's basically this uh what's basically a ballroom right like according to the people involved like you couldn't hear that with your naked ear 
So, oh. like, they basically had to turn the mic way up, uh, and then you were able to hear it, which is just kind of cool. Yeah. But, yeah, the way that they achieved those shots was they were, like, the fifth movie to ever use this camera trick. Uh, kind of. It was a steady cam, which is everybody knows what a steady cam is. Now you put it on a thing, and the camera doesn't move no matter how much you move. It just stays steady, so you can run along or do whatever you need. That was a new invention then. Um, it was created five years before this movie came out, and only a handful of movies used it. The most popular of them being Rocky, which it used in some of the fight scenes and some of the running scenes. But, like, the thing with that was the steady cam was always on top of the pole um, so that you could run along with it and just hold it like a stick, basically. They somehow, in those five years of it being invented, Kubrick was the first person to be like, what if we put it on the bottom of the pole, though? <laughs> and so they did that. <laughs> but what if we put it upside down? Uh, basically. <laughs> um, so he invented a new way to shoot things by just basically turning the camera upside down <laughs> amazing um, i mean the shots in this movie are amazing so like it clearly worked right, to his like, advantage yeah like it's it's insane the amount of speed that you feel following that tricycle with that with just that simple thing of like being really low to the ground with that steady cam mm-hmm. yeah i mean another like i assume it's the same like when jack's leaning on the door of the storage like such a beautiful shot yeah it's really good Honestly, even it's just great at just being unsettling, like the staircase scene. Like, yeah. Jack just seems something's clearly off about Jack, and like the camera immediately tells you that. And I don't know what it is, like what what makes the angle just make it so uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of things go goes. I thought a lot of things go into what makes that scene uncomfortable, and like a lot of it, which is like a good combination of just like Shelley Duvall freaking the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson being Jack Nicholson, the music and the camera angles. And, and that's just... what I was going to say, kind of like that feeling of uh, that, dro- like kind of that drop that they have with the violins of that scene, whenever he's against the storage door, mm-hmm. like that adds onto that scene a lot too. It's just that, that they're doing with it yeah so sam brought up shelly duvall and her yeah i guess this is a good time to bring it up yeah, yeah I, I knew this is gonna come <laughs> um yeah it's pretty famous how kubrick treated shelly duvall almost just her actually i mean it's stories that i had heard mm-hmm. before but i'd never like seen it this movie was documented really well last night i watched a documentary and saw exactly how he treated her i've never wanted to punch a famous person as much as I've wanted to punch Kubrick mm-hmm. when I've seen those scenes. Mm-hmm. Because it'll literally just be Shelley Duvall being like, what if I do this? And he's like, don't do that. It's, it's really stupid. Why would you do that? And she's like, well, I just thought it would be really good for my character. And like, he's like straight up like, no, don't do that. This is how I want it done. If you don't do that, you can fuck off. I don't care. You can fuck off off my set. You're wasting everybody's fucking time right now. Get off my fucking set or do the scene. And like, he just beat her down mentally in a way that I have never seen anybody do in any professional setting especially a giant movie like this. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There's that. And it was one of those things that I heard that he did that on purpose to her in general, because he wanted to get that sense of dread and that sense of kind of coming unhinged. Right. So his way of doing it is to yell at her between takes, which, you know, it's weird. It's like actors know how to act, or act like that. But with him, he, uh, for some reason, well, I guess not for some reason, but, because but it's, it's thing, Kubrick. Like, that, that's his excuse. I'm not buying it, because he didn't treat Jack Nicholson that way. He especially didn't treat Danny poorly yeah. at all. He actually had an incredibly good relationship with Danny the Kid. I heard about that one, too. Even protecting him from the fact of him knowing he was filming a horror movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that is another fun fact, is that uh, 
Danny Lloyd didn't know that this is a horror movie until he was an adult because yeah, he didn't even realize he was getting paid for it. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those, like he did that movie and, uh, I guess Kubrick did everything he could to protect all the scary things from him to where like they asked him about it later on. Like when, I guess in his teenage years or something, they asked him like about the movies like, Oh yeah, it was this really boring family movie I did called shining or something. Like, I I don't remember much about it. And then (laughs) saw the movie as an adult and was horrified. Yeah. That's the thing. The guy who, the kid who played Danny didn't go on to be an actor. He like did this once and he was done. He was good. He was yeah. like, I, I guess I did that. But like when he was that age, he literally didn't think he was getting paid for it. Like he, there was an interview I watched with him and they were like, yeah, I thought I was just going to get like one or $2 from this for doing this. And then the guy was like, and then you learned you got more. He's like, yeah, yeah. I think I'm getting something like 500 or $600 now, which <laughs> the kid just clearly doesn't get money. He got yeah. a lot of money for yeah. this movie. Uh-huh. I mean, if. There's, there's like this whole big thing with uh, child actors back then in like the 70s, or I guess child actors throughout history actually, is that yeah. parents were shitty about it and stole their money a lot of times. So I'm hoping that didn't happen to him, but I know there's a lot of cases of that happening. Yeah. It, it seemed like his family yeah. wasn't super interested in him like being in the industry, and he wasn't interested after this, um, even though he had a very pleasant experience. He has nothing bad to say about it. Him right. and Kubrick were friends. Kubrick was very nice to the kid. He just, he just wasn't interested in the job. <laughs> He has a cameo in a later movie that we'll be talking about. But okay. That's about it. But yeah, like there's that. But I know that he, is, like, I figured he's uh, treated his other actors like shit just because in previous works and works afterwards, he treated certain actors like shit. Like if we ever watch A Clockwork Orange, we can go into how badly he treated Michael McDonald in that movie. Michael McDowell. Thank you. I was close. <laughs> Rob McDonald. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But the thing with Shelley Duvall is that like, she was treated so badly on set that she was literally having panic attacks. Yeah. There's footage of her having panic attacks and having people come over from the set and be like, okay, just lay down, lay down. Here's a bunch of pillows. Like, here's a coat. And she's like, I'm sorry. This is just, it's never happened to me on a set before. And I don't know what to do. And like, she's, she's freaking out and she's breaking down because Kubrick, he was abusive. He was mentally yeah, abusive yeah, to this was. person mm-hmm. uh, in a way that he I- tried to backpedal and like get away from it. But I, I honestly don't believe him. I think he was just being a whole really horrible person. This no, person. he was. I think you know about the record that this, uh, movie i think still holds to this day there was a certain scene in this movie that they redid that scene more times than any other person has ever done a scene in a movie oh, yeah but that goes into the how badly he treated chili duvall yeah he treated chili duvall incredibly poorly um the scene the simple scene when she's just coming out of the hotel and like pushing the door at the snow out of the way and like trying to go and check the snowplow thing he made her do that over and over and over again it's it's really really hard to actually watch that footage because she was like, she's helping people like get soup because it's really cold because like they built that set. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a set. There's no actual hotel. They yeah. built sets. Um, and she's like trying to bring people soup and like keep people warm and have a jacket on. And like she's hearing the cues like ready, set, lights, camera, everything. And she was like ready for action. And then he said, pause. And so she's like, okay. And she starts giving soup to people. And then he says action. She's like, okay. And she starts to go get ready to it. And she's like playing the scene out. And she's like struggling with the door. And Kubrick yells cut. And he goes over to her when she's, like, sitting in the door. She's freezing to death. Like, everybody else is wearing jackets. She's not. And he goes over there, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're wasting everybody's time. Did you, I, you heard me yelling instructions, right? And she's like, yeah, I heard. I just, I didn't know that that's what you're doing because you didn't say. So I was like, no, I don't want to hear any fucking excuses. You're wasting everybody's time. I shouldn't have brought you on this. Um, and telling her she needs to fucking do it right. Literally, though, it's not, it's not paraphrasing. He's telling her you have to fucking do this right. Like, and look at you. You look like a little bitch. You can't even open this fucking door. And she's like, there's snow and ice in the way. He's like, I don't care. I don't care. Open the door. He was a bad person to yeah, her. Like, yeah, there's, he... there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Yeah. I had never seen the footage before. I've heard the stories and I read the stories. I'd never seen the footage before. Yeah, I'm sure if I saw the footage myself, like, it would 
Because I once again, I heard the stories, but the stories themselves are terrible yeah. on how we treated her. Yeah. And then, yeah, going into that thing that you were saying earlier about there was a scene in this that had the most takes ever um, was the scene where with the ice cream scene with Danny and um, and DeCalloran. Yeah. yeah, they did that 87 times. So that's much- actually not the scene that I was talking about, but yeah. Go on. Oh, that's the only one I know of. Okay. They kept doing that and kept doing that, and Danny was fine with it. Like, he just kept doing it because he's a kid, and he's just, like, doing whatever he's told, mm-hmm. and it's, like, he doesn't really have to do much in that scene. He has to just stare and eat ice cream. But the guy who played Halloran broke down and started crying because he just, Kubrick kept making him do it over and over and over. They were there literally all day doing that scene over and over and over again because Kubrick just kept telling him to do it and do it, um, which sucks. He's he's just purposely breaking people down and abusing them. Yeah. Well, there was that, and then um, another one that I heard. I'm sure you probably heard about this one too. Was uh, the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Uh, he actually made one of the or one of the people at the cast write all that down. Like, there's 250 pages of that that he made them just sit down and write it over and over and over again. Like, type it or write it. Like, type, type it. it. Type it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so like all those pages that you see there at that desk, they actually all say that. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, who the fuck had this job? <laughs> Some person that yeah. Kubrick decided to be an asshole to that It, it was, I want to say it was his <laughs> assistant, like his personal assistant or something that had that. But yeah, Kubrick was just a huge dick in, in every way, really. The other thing that goes into, like, Kubrick is well known for doing as many takes as he wants and as many takes as it quote unquote takes. The thing that he did uh, on this is that he wanted to get genuine crazy out of people. And so he would do a take and do a take and do a take and do a take. And after be like, that was really good, right? Like, that was great. And like, yeah, that was really good. Do it again. Like, okay, they do it four or five more times. Like, okay, that was pretty good, right? Like, yeah, you got, you're doing great. Keep doing it. Yeah. And he would do it and do it and do it to the point to where um, the reason why you get so many insane, silly faces and voices and stuff out of Jack Nicholson as, as Jack in this is because a lot of those you're seeing are seven hours later of doing that same take and him just giving up. He's yeah. gone through all of his energy and his reserve tanks of energy, and he's at the point to where, like, I'm going to fucking do anything I can to get out of here. And so he's just doing crazy voices and faces, like the little pig, little pig, let me in thing. Like, that was take, like, I don't know, 80-something before they got to that. They went through 60 doors in that scene, by the way. Well, and also with that scene, like, uh, they told him to say, like to improvise a scene like so the here's johnny thing that he said like that was jack nicholson just saying something dumb which was the catchphrase of um johnny carson yeah oh i was gonna ask because there's not a character named johnny no that was a thing so johnny carson was a uh talk show host kind of like you know the late night shows that we see today he was the person who pioneered that and so whenever uh, he would come out at the beginning of the show uh the his assistant would always say and it's like and to start the show here's Johnny. And then he'd come out and people would cheer for him. Okay. And then, so he was quoting that whenever he, or whenever he hacked open the door and said, here's Johnny. So I think Jariah just saw me have an oh shit moment. Uh, uh-huh. In the Simpsons, the shinning, mm-hmm. they do multiple times where Homer breaks the door. Each time he says a different, like late night show yeah. <laughs> introduction. Yeah. <laughs> that had to do with that, that's, that's why said, So I was like, oh. Uh, the other thing that's funny about that, Robbie, is Kubrick lived in England. So he didn't get that reference, actually. <laughs> and so he left in the film. He's like, yeah, that's really good. And it, it wasn't until the movie came out that he's like, that was a reference to something? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the scene that I was talking about before, the one that holds the Guinness Book of World Records as the scene that was shot more often, t- or more times than any other scene, 
was the uh, actually the infamous um all work and no play makes jack a dull boy whenever she's like backing away from him swinging the backs bat saying stay away from me uh the, what's known as the staircase scene that was shot 127 times and between uh, from the story that i heard is between each and every single one of those takes he yelled at shelly duvall telling her that she was fucking up the entire scene and that everybody had to stay here longer because of her this is all her fault and blah 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 because he wanted to get a sense of dread from her throughout that entire scene so like the fact that she looks completely exhausted and looks like she's on her last leg is because she can't take our dealing with stanley kubrick anymore because she's probably in the middle of a panic attack thinking i can't deal with him yelling at me anymore yeah um i i think i'm in your vote i really Man, don't believe just... this is him wanting the that feeling from her i think he's just generally a that was his excuse person. though mm-hmm. yeah that was right. his excuse yeah, I think he's generally like a bad, bad guy. Yeah. And that's one of those things is he did shitty things, but he made good movies. So people defended him for years about it. And like knowing that just makes it feel dirty almost watching. Yeah, those right. Scenes. Like that's that's the part like, that sucks. Well, yeah, because yeah. like her scenes are really uncomfortably like clearly she is broken. Like surely, clearly she's in a yes. lot of distress. Like especially that scene, like like her face, you can just tell. Yeah. yeah, she's broken. Like she, she's movie. broken. She is exhausted. She is scared and everything. And I guess he said that he wanted to get that feeling. But, it, you know, it's not like he's dealing with actors that know how to pretend to have those emotions. He has to have the real thing. Right. Like when it came to Jack Nicholson, he just let him get into character. Like literally, he would just play music for him and let him get into character. Yeah. So he's just being I mean, a bad person. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would have to say, which I'm not even going to try to defend it, but like Jack Nicholson's kind of crazy to begin with. Jack Nicholson actually was a is a fairly like nice dude. He uh, straight up says this movie and when he had to play the Joker in the Batman are the reasons why he's a lot stranger than he should be. Like he straight up said like he had to get into a mental space for those movies that he should never have been asked to get into and he shouldn't have taken them on because he wasn't ready. Like straight up he has said like those two movies have harmed his mental health. I was actually going to say, because I feel like uh, there's another movie that he did called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is mm-hmm. basically just a movie dealing with crazy people. And he acts kind of like this, too. But I don't know if that movie was before or after this movie, though. There's two things here that uh, I know it wasn't just for the movie. Um, afterwards, he did try to step it back in interviews. He's like, yeah, I just I, tr- I tried to get the best performance out of her I could. I wanted the most real performance possible. Um, yeah. Up to that point in his career, literally, like this is a quote from him saying, if you have to choose between real and interesting, do interesting. So he's literally contradicting himself. Yeah. And then secondly, um, because of this movie and because of how Shelley Duvall was treated, she has very severe mental or disorder. She She's mentally broken. She yeah. is not the person she went into before filming this movie. He literally fucked a person up. That doesn't surprise you too much, but it's... Eh. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Like, just between this movie and A Clockwork Orange, I found out a lot of fucked up things that he's done to his actors. And the f- sad thing about that is uh, Clockwork Orange was, like, nine years before this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's no denying the man can make a good movie. It's but also no denying that the man's he has, a fucking prick. Yeah, that he's yeah. a prick that tends to destroy people's lives. Yeah, or or was. He's very dead now. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard to come after that. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. with what I want. So... <laughs> Jack, Jack, he... Jack, Jack? Yeah, from The Incredibles. <laughs> We're talking about that now because I cannot... No. It's really weird to see that baby in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Especially during the axe murdering scenes. Like, that just made the whole thing uncomfortable. No. So, Jack is a really interesting character because I think it... Mostly because it's well-written and, 
you know, maybe explain some things of why it's so well written. Like, <laughs> it really gets in the mind of an abuser, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Or he exp- he can explain to himself why certain things. He blames his wife for everything. He blames the child. He assures that he would never, ever lay a hand on Don- Danny's head. Yet, it is clearly established that he, on many occasions, would yank Danny. Yep. Yep. And... It's just really well written in a way that I don't think a lot of movies can write abusers because a lot of them write them way too one note. Right. Like it, it's it, uh, it, it's mm-hmm. able to explore that and make it feel like he's a human, just a bad human. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it goes back to the uncertainty of like, honestly, it really feels like this is a man who even without the supposed hauntings would just do that. Yeah. Like he's just been cooped up so long that he starts believing his own lies that much that his wife is trying to ruin him and he needs to correct them. Yep. And I think it goes to, it kind of goes within that abuser's mindset. Like you said, it's never their fault. It's always everyone else's fault. Like they forced his hand to do this. Like it's not my fault that she did this. She pushed me to do that or to, to do this kind of thing. And it really goes with like why he, and you know, with the older um caretaker mm-hmm. he agrees with him yes and like he has of course it is potentially his own twisted version of him in his mind potentially a ghost who knows and he agrees with him and it really shows to his character how he talks to the old caretaker yes especially like in regards to the person the son's trying to contact like it's a little uncomfortable for me, I guess because the 80s is a different time, but it's just like... No, it's definitely com- meant to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Right, but like, I mean, like, just from a writing standpoint that they wrote it. That they would still just put that right, in there. Right, like, because... So, for those who don't know or don't remember, like, the caretaker straight up calls him the N-word. Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, obviously, 80s, and then the caretaker would be 50s, it was? 70s. 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 Yeah, because he said 1970 this happened. Right. Yeah. And, like, of course, there's to take the time in it, but, like, it's one of those things where sometimes it's a bit concerning how, like, someone can just so effortly write that in kind of feeling. Right. I know what you mean. Absolutely. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. That's a problem. I honestly, I think even Stephen King has that problem. Uh, he will casually throw really terrible slurs, derogatory things towards uh, more fluid genders, and people of color uh mm. he writes them in characters but it's still the man writing them right I, um it is it's just a little bit too uncomfortable and again yeah. i know you're not supposed to like him of course you're not supposed to agree well i hope people don't agree with there's stuff. definitely there's there's someone out there who's like this this jack guy's really got to figure it out well right. the fact that like, i mean he he also referred to his wife as a sperm bank at one point right. yeah he so. does yeah is that well <laughs> Yeah, because I remember, our, for some reason, in my mind, he's like, oh, yeah, the old ball and chain. And like, oh, I can't live with them. I can't live without them. It's like, yeah, but rewatching it again today, realize, oh, yeah, he calls her the old sperm bank. Yeah. Yeah. But like, even other stuff, like the, the casualty he can switch to being so emotionally manipulative in the cabinet, not cabinet, the, uh, the bar storage. The storage when he's oh, talking when he's, storage. Yeah. yeah. When he's just like, I'm, I'm real hurt. I need a doctor. Right. Yeah. Like, well, he goes from, you better open the store right now right. to open up, I need a doctor. 
to manically laughing because she's never going to leave this place alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's that's what the point that's of just like for, I think that's just like portraying like the manipulative nature of an abuser. Yeah. yeah. And like I really that's like really well. <laughs> I really like this as movies able to do it so well, because, again, I think it's a really easy trap to just like, oh, he just beats her up all the time. And obviously that's not how it works or else people would know the signs. Right. Like so many people, they get into that situation. Like, how did I get here? How did I wind up here? Because everybody thinks like, if I'm in this situation, like I'm going to, I'm going to know it. Right. So I'm going to be able to get out before it happens. Like that's not how it works. Because people who manipulate are really good at manipulating. Right. And um, Shelley Duvall's character is just like a mousy, scared woman. And it's probably due to how he treats her, but she's probably not like a very outspoken person in the first place. Well, even before all this happens, like at the very beginning, it does show that scene wherever she's like, oh, yeah, he dislocated uh, our son's shoulder, but it was totally an accident, like does everything to defend him because, you know, he he hasn't touched (laughs) a single drop of alcohol in five months. So he's doing way better now. Right. So here's the thing that always fucks with me in the movie is it's established she's been sober for five months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's established in that first scene when she's talking to the doctor, mm-hmm. and then it's established at the bar that he's been sober for five months. But at the bar, he yeah, also I says that the about. arm break happened three years ago. Yeah. And then Wendy, <laughs> though, when she's talking to the doctor, says the arm break happened, and then he immediately got sober. So even then, she's still trying to make excuses for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could still be off and on, and is manipulative he yeah, could easily exactly. just be lying to her quite frankly right right yeah i that part's always like it's like a really weird realization like oh shit yeah <laughs> like everything wasn't all right before this at all right well like even at the start of the movie there's still there's so like we there's weird nuances you can pick up about his character how he like dismisses her immediately and almost <laughs> to a point where like he tries to make her look stupid about the uh donner potty Right, like the the Donner Party thing, which I won't get into that because that's a whole thing. Yeah, if you should all look in, I've brought it up twice on this podcast. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you should look into the Donner Party. <laughs> it's, a good story. it's literally the most depressing thing in the world. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, like she's like bringing up and she's like the cannibalism thing. And he's like, yeah, the cannibalism thing, and she's like, maybe we shouldn't talk about. It. He's like, I learned it from TV. He's like, see, he learned it from TV, hun. Like, right. It uh, it does a really good job of making you be able to hate Jack. Yeah, right. Like everything he does and how he refuses to take any acknowledgement. Yeah, because like another thing that really shows his character is how he snaps at his wife for like going into the room when he's writing, but he clearly isn't writing half the time. Yeah, he's playing yeah. with a tennis ball half the time. <laughs> right. Or smoking, or taking a nap, or yeah, like he's not or creepily staring at them. Right. The he's window. like not doing anything. But yeah, like I was gonna say. You are right with that one. Like, that's probably the first warning sign that you see. But the first, I guess, real like real red flag that you actually see is that scene whenever she's like, hey, I brought you some dinner. Or, yeah, I was like, I brought you something to eat while he was writing. And then he freaks out on her and tells her to get the fuck out. Yeah. Right. And then afterwards, like um, whenever she's just watching TV and that's whatever is, I guess, their living room there. I want to say it's the same room, but I don't think it's meant to be the same room because they kind of make it seem like this hotel is supposed to be impossibly big. Right. But um. Whenever uh, they're just watching TV and like, can I go get my fire truck? It's like, no, your dad's sleeping. Just leave him alone right now. We, you, you don't want to go in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, just, I'll be quick. She's like, okay, but don't wake your dad up. Yeah. And then you get that really, really, really uncomfortable scene between Jack and Danny to where Jack is like super afraid of his dad. 
And he's like, I would, <laughs> I would never hurt you. I love you. You know that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Can yeah, I get Dad. my fire truck? <laughs> yeah, and it, it is that uncomfortable scene because he's like, I just went to get my, go get my fire truck, and then come here. Yeah. And then I don't know if you have anyone else listening to this has had that as a kid, or if your parent just like looks at you and just says like, come here, kind of thing, and then you don't want to not go over there because you feel like you're going to get in more trouble, and whatever punishment you're about to get is going to get just that much worse if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've had yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think half the time I had that, I had that at your place. <laughs> so something I was curious about, since we brought up the writing scenes, um, do you know if he's typing all work and no play makes Jack a dull bull the, all, the entire time? Because when I was watching him the first time, it looked like that's what he was typing the entire time. I don't know in the movie. In the book, he is supposedly working on a novel that he actually finishes like twice in the book. In the movie, I have no idea. Okay, because like... I was looking at his movements, and it looked like that's roughly where he was hitting each time. So I was curious if you knew or not. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, it seems like almost the instant that he gets into the hotel, he breaks. Because he even says, like, I feel like this is the happy I've ever been. Like, I feel like yeah. I belong here. Yeah. So I wouldn't doubt if he mentally thinks he's doing something else, but that's all he's been doing. But there is also theories about that, too. But we can get into that a little bit later when we get talking to, like, more end stuff of the movie. Yeah. Because there, there were a lot of theories about this movie just because of how open-ended they leave everything. Uh, The ending. Right. That's uh, weird. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to get from it, quite frankly. Is it the slow zoom into the picture in Jack yeah. Nicholson? Yeah. In it? Was that him? <laughs> yeah, that's so, him. Yeah, okay. that's... That was the first thing I wasn't sure <laughs> if it was him or the last owner. Uh, no, that that's him in the picture. So I'm yeah. actually also confused about that ending because that's so, obviously not how the book ends. Yeah, right. That kind of goes into the theory about the movie. Is uh, One of the theories that I heard about this movie is that um, Jack was like never part of their family. It was... It was Wendy and her son and her son Danny that went there to go be the caretakers there, and because she's actually has a bit of the shining along with him, but it's not as strong. Uh, she just sees Jack or, or sees Jack, and Jack was actually one of the people who died or, or originally in the 1920s there, and so she just sees him there, and he's part of that ghost. And it's actually something that they say in the bathroom too. Whenever he uh, he talks to the previous caretaker, it's like, yeah, you were the previous caretaker. You killed your Oh, you killed your wife and two daughters with an axe. And you've always been the caretaker here, is what he tells him. I'm not sure I buy that entirely because that one doesn't have a good motive for Wendy and Wendy's Danny going to crazy. actually go there. She went there to be the or to be mm-hmm. that care- caretaker. But that interview you see she... at the beginning is actually her. It's not Jack. I just don't buy that because, like, I don't think that's her character. Yeah, I'm I'm with E on this one. It would it would. They don't ever act like she's the caretaker. I think that's a cool idea. I just don't know if I buy it is mostly what I'm... And that's why it's still just kind of a theory, too. The way I interpreted it, him being in the photo, is just, like, obviously this hotel absorbs people when they die there. I guess that's a good way to put it. That's fair. So now he's in the photo, and now he's... Maybe the rest of the people in the photo are other caretakers. Maybe... It was just, like, people that stayed there, I don't know, or died there, or, you know? Yeah, I think well, that's one of the things that is open-ended, is to where, like, you never actually fully know. Yeah, the one that I pulled up is, Stanley Kubrick said the ballroom photograph at the very end suggests uh, the reincarnation of Jack. That means that Jack Torrance is the reincarnation of a guest or someone, or someone of the staff at the Overlook in 1921. The Overlook seems to have the power to recall uh, reincarnated versions of past guests as employees. I don't like that. <laughs> I know that's him saying it. Like it really just doesn't. It feels like a cop out answer. Yeah, it does. Maybe, but that's what it was. Is that she? Or she was the one that was going crazy all this time, and she was uh, 
what she was seeing was one of the employees because kind of like how dick says towards the beginning of like sometimes people with the shining they see things uh whether they're in the future or in the past it's just kind of a recalling so that's the that's a theory that a lot of people go to with it yeah i'm just not buying it and that's fair because <laughs> once again it's a theory yeah and then another one i actually heard like through osmosis is like i guess some people like have the theory that this entire movie is actually the story that jack's writing and I don't that that kind of feels more like the purgatory types of theory to me where it's like, oh, it was never real the whole time. And it's like, yeah, it's a fictional movie. Of course it was never real the whole time. <laughs> or I think it just kind of loses some of the value of the actual work. If not only is it a fictional work, it's a fictional work within a fictional work. That actually is another thing, because I remember uh there was a there's a YouTube video, so you can go and you can find it, is uh that movie Get Out and um oh, the guy that wrote and directed it. Kevin Peel. No, I think I'm mixing it. Is it is Peel. Jordan Peel. Jordan Peel. Yeah, Jordan Peel did, uh, did an interview wherever he was listening to fan theories about the movie right, Get Out. This. And one of them was that uh, the entire movie is actually just a, a plausible theory given by the main character's best friend. Because remember at the beginning of the movie, he tells him, like, don't go to the, right. the middle of the woods with this white girl. And it was like the entire movie is him explaining to him, like, this is what's going to happen if you go to the middle of the woods with all these strange white people. Yeah. And he straight up says, like, uh, that's a good theory. It's not. It's not what's happening in the movie. Like it's all happening to them in the movie. But that's a good theory, though. Yeah. Actually, non sequitur. So, <laughs> you know that scene where she's like drinking the milk and like eating the uh, Fruit Loops. Yeah, separately? that was actually another thing. Yeah, because I, I saw that. Um, so people are like, it's crazy how they separate the whites with the colors. And he was like, that's neat. Not what I was intending. I just thought it was insane for people to be eating cereal yeah, he, and milk separately. Like, I, he, he's like, I asked her to do something creepy, and her creepy thing was to separate cereal and milk while eating it. <laughs> so it was hilarious, though. So that would have been the same exact scene if she was eating Cheerios. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Sorry, I just had to get that on sec because I thought you'd get a kick yeah, out of it. That was that was a pretty funny one, too, that's, though. But yeah, that, that was another one that he was just like, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Not what's happening, but that's a good one. Yeah. I just like when the director's like, that's that. Yeah, that's a great idea didn't mean to do that <laughs> uh, what's i guess other so okay so the blood elevator thing right it's seen as this huge like cool thing right what is its purpose other than being kind of crazy um <laughs> hotel sure does kill a lot of people huh <laughs> yes like, so like everything building around it like that being the iconic thing like everyone talks about it why why is it there. Oh, it looks cool, right? I think The Simpsons has the right idea that it's. Oh yeah, that just happens. I yeah, guess. that's why they had that joke in The Simpsons. It's definitely one of those iconic scenes, but it's in the movie like, well, I guess like two or three times. <laughs> yeah, but I, but it, I don't know. Like, it, I don't think it really is connected to it. Yeah, anything. like it's. Yeah. It just seems like they wanted to do this cool thing where blood came out of the stairs, and they never thought of a reason to actually do that it. That might have been a style over substance decision. Actually, I've always wondered how how they did that scene. Like, how did they do it? Did they actually just like get a whole bunch of like fake blood and? Yeah, I think I think it actually might have been. I think it may have. Yeah, I think that's what I heard too. Is that they literally just had a fire hose full of fake blood and they just as they were opening up the elevator, just started spraying it. I don't think it would be a fire. It has to be like a bucket or something at least, because a fire hose doesn't make that. It's literally giant tanks that they had to the side, and he (laughs) shot at a very high frame rate. And slowed it and put it at, we're seeing at a lower frame rate, so it looks like slow-mo. Right. And just dumped a bunch of blood. And that's <laughs> like, it. That's the scene. Yeah, okay. like, like you, you, what you see I, is what he you really, get. He clearly <laughs> didn't have a reason to do that, though. It looks 
pretty cool. I know. Yeah. I, I'm going to say another one. Red Rum. The movie makes it seem like it's so clever. But <laughs> it's just murder backwards, and it doesn't make sense why they're saying it. Uh, yeah, that's but a bigger e, thing in the book. But E, it's murder backwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think they had better... Like, I think parodies I've seen have better uses. Like, this is going to be dumb. I apologize in advance. So there was this dumb thing with uh, a boy in his blob, that game, where uh -huh. he gives them jelly beans. One was like, huh, red <laughs> rum? So he gives it, and then the blob eats him. And that, like, works better as a thing. But, like, this movie doesn't do it. So what? what is it in the book? What, how does it? Uh, it's, it's literally just that. Uh, Danny is singing into the future, but he doesn't realize he's singing into the future into like a mirror, basically. So when he's trying to like warn people about what's going to happen, he's doing it backwards. That's it. That's literally it. <laughs> also, I'm going to out Danny. You can't do two letters forwards and then four letters backwards. You do he's them six. all forwards or all backwards. That, that just do that, it all forwards. That makes way more sense. Why are they I, sometimes backwards? I feel like with that scene, it may have been like he was writing it, and then the director like behind the camera is going like, you got to write it backwards. Oh, shit, sorry. And like, just start writing the rest of it backwards. I wonder how many times you had to do that scene, actually. One, probably. Yeah. Well, like, like we were saying, like, despite how for how badly he was treating Shelley Duvall throughout this entire process of the movie, he treated Danny that much better. Yeah, he, he was literally best buds with Danny. Like, they were inseparable, apparently, on set. Not in a creepy way, but they were just, he was really nice to the kid. Yeah. He probably just wrote him backwards, and he was like, yeah. and Stanley Kubrick was like, oh, yes, perfect, perfect, you did perfect, boy. <laughs> you did perfect, boy. You almost know your letters. That's fantastic. Oh, uh, you man. did great. One takes perfect. But yeah, like, like it, the movie seems to think it's so clever, though, and I don't know why. It doesn't even sound that clever in the, like, at least the book has some kind of meaning to why it's red rum also it's like way more like obvious in the in the book too because it's, it's literally written out. written out in front of you when you're reading it well, like <laughs> oh man like do something with it have it danny's hearing his dad using the shining powers when he thinks he's at the bar and asking for red rum or something do something <laughs> with it come on i mean the way that i would probably have done it if i if i wrote this story because <laughs> Yeah, we all know that I'm an esteemed writer. Yeah. Listen, all you have to do is get an eight ball and sit in front of a typewriter for a few days, and you can be, you yeah. can be Stephen I, I, King yeah. too. I was gonna like the way that I probably would have written it, and how I probably would have thought of it is uh, whenever he sees the future, sometimes he sees it backwards, and so like whenever mm. he's seeing the future, he'll speak backwards sometimes. That's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, man, I'm just <laughs> come on, because like oh man, Tony writing it out, and I'm like he's keeps just saying red rum. I'm like. Yeah, sure. I know what you're doing. It's obvious. <laughs> that scene drags on too. That's one of the scenes I think actually drags. Is just yeah. red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, I, red rum. I do like the creepy voice though. I mean, yeah. yeah, like it's a kid voice. Like I like it too. It's but weird. <laughs> I don't know. That's I think Tony could have been expanded on a bit too in this movie. I yeah, think there's a lot more in the book, obviously. Yeah, and it's it's not even like that. Tony is like a real thing. It's just that that's how Danny manifests The Shining. Right. That he has like, to make that's something up. That's what it up. kind of feels like in this in this movie, but not quite. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I just, I wanted to rate about those because, like, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like this movie's jerking itself off a little bit with that. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, okay? Like, feel free to send me all the hate, all the people who love this movie. I know it's a masterpiece of a movie, but come on. 
Yeah, like um, I said, even masterpieces will have their flaws, though. Kubrick, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Kubrick really loves jacking himself off. Yeah. If we ever watch 2001 A Space Odyssey, you're going to see come on the screen the Ugh. whole time. <laughs> I, I've i never been able to fucking finish that movie because it's so boring. And <laughs> I have yet to actually watch that movie. I've just seen clips of that movie. Man. Oh, that would be really I've fun seen, to like, do. The first 10 minutes, and I'm like, nope, shutting this off. I don't want to fucking do this for another however long. In my mind, I do the thing I always do where I mix up stuff. So in my mind, it's like the monolith scene and the monkeys and whatever. That's in there. Yeah, but then it turns into Planet of the Apes. No. Yeah, that's how my mind (laughs) thinks about Space Odyssey. That'd be cool. And also, David Bowie does the entire score where he's like, ground (laughs) control to Major Tom. Is that one of your mashups? (laughs) No. Wait. So... Okay. There's one no, more. It's maybe. the DK rap. Okay. Okay. That's awful. Um, so yeah, one thing about this movie that people often mess up, I think it's people in Colorado, at least in my experience, because we live in Colorado, Yeah. Um, is that everyone's like, man, you can just go to this hotel. Like, You can just go there and stay the night. And like, you, you can't. Yeah. It's not you real. literally just can't do it. It's not really a real place. All of the insides that you see are internal sets built on a soundstage. They just built the hotel, basically, so much so to where some of the actors stayed there, even. Um, and one of the fun things, actually, about that is that Kubrick was like, listen, I'm not into myself enough to think that I can just design new rooms. Like, I'm not going to be the guy that makes this really cool, new-looking room. Like, there have been rooms forever. I'm not going to suddenly build an amazing one. And so he just sent people out into the world to go stay at hotels and steal the hotel room designs. That's so Because he's like... They obviously already know what they're doing. Let's just take those ones and remake them for our sets. Because, like, while you can't go to the Project Outlook Hotel, (laughs) what is it? Something Outlook. (laughs) It's the Outlook, right? Yeah, that's the Outlook. You can't go to the Outlook. Overlook. It's the The Overlook. overlook. You can't go (laughs) to the Overlook, but you've basically can because we have those kinds of hotels so here's the thing like the big exterior shots where you actually see like people walking outside of it in traffic and Mm -hmm. like you see the mountains behind it that is of a hotel in oregon boo (laughs) (laughs) um it's not in colorado the only thing in colorado is the uh helicopter shots of the roads and the driving yeah Yeah. the passes the passes yes that's all that's the only thing that's in colorado that's actually shot in colorado yeah i i was under the impression that he stayed at the Stanley at one point, and that's how he got the idea for the story. Stephen King, like, yeah, the connection. Yeah, Stephen King. Yeah, he stayed at the Stanley <laughs> Hotel and got the idea, and then did that. But like, you can stay at the hotel where Stephen King got the idea from, but the <laughs> it's not really a one place. No, um, I was gonna say, is that yeah. where he also got the idea for fourteen oh eight? Yeah, fourteen oh eight. I almost called it fourteen twenty six for some reason. Probably the 1420. same. Probably same idea. Um, but. There were a lot of sets built for this. Yeah. Like when they're close up and walking outside of it, that is an external set. No actual hotel there. They just built a big giant external set. Um, you see it later in the movie covered in snow. Um, all the stuff when they're inside is a huge, huge set. They used the entire studio for that. So much so to where other movies could not film while they were filming it. They had to be pushed back, actually, because Kubrick demanded that they film in order. And so that meant every studio that he was using and every lot he was using had to keep these sets up. And the thing is with Kubrick is he doesn't believe in big giant crews. Like he doesn't believe in a B crew. He doesn't believe in a C crew. He doesn't believe in this, like hundreds of people working on this thing. Like if you notice the credits on this, they're really short. He believes in a very, very small crew, which means it takes a very, very long time to make a movie. It is said that this movie took about a year to make. 
which means that all of those lots, all the studios they used up, were used up for an entire year, which caused the movies of um, Reds to be pushed back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. <laughs> because he was using an entire studio. But Harrison Ford didn't like that. Uh, he's probably fine with it. He's still got money. <laughs> he's got that Harrison Ford money. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's just the thing. I mean, Man. for a little, like, half, half of me expected you to say that the actual filming of this took five months because they're supposed to be at that place for five months. No, it took a year. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can't. Well, I guess they only really use a couple months in the movie. Yeah. But. yeah. The other, like, big production thing that I think is really interesting is the hedge maze. Mm-hmm. They used a bunch of weird tricks to make that look like it does. Like, it's not a real hedge maze. Yeah. yeah. They made it out of, like, boxes and chicken wire and stuff like that and just like some random plastic foliage basically they did a good job with it though it looks really good yeah. it's also not 13 feet high what uh the lens they used made it look huge it's like eight feet tall apparently is what it was you know wide angle lenses right but they really did build a big old giant fucking maze so much so to where uh Kubrick apparently was complaining and he was like this maze isn't real enough like it's too simple and so one day uh the set designer's like okay Okay, it's 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 not it's yeah. it's really easy to get out of that. Right? Okay, cool. Uh, anyway, fine, we're you gonna put play a blindfold on you, and they put him in the maze, and he wasn't able to get out. It's like, fine. <laughs> you want to play this fucking game with us? <laughs> yeah, basically, he just couldn't find his way yeah, out. I one rule with mazes: you just have to follow one wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not Kubrick's mazes. I'm actually surprised that uh, Kubrick doesn't didn't make them all stay in a isolated hotel for five months alone. <laughs> he made them all have to he chopped them all in a maze they all had to escape yeah. the ones who didn't were fired <laughs> and also went missing so the other thing about it is that uh, Jack Nicholson actually kind of is upset about the legacy of this movie because everybody praises Kubrick so much and he's pissed That's about really it because he's like, he's like everybody praises Kubrick and like how much of a genius he is he's like People seem to not care about how much work we all put into it and how much we suffered to make this movie and how and just how everybody around it like really put their heart and soul in this movie and they're never like, man, Jack Nicholson's The Shining is really good or like Shelley Duvall's The Shining is really good. That's just the unfortunate truth of media, honestly. Yeah. Like video games, I would argue, have it worse where yep. yeah. it's uh, Todd Howard's Skyrim despite the fact that there's thousands of people who worked on Skyrim. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just the unfortunate truth of media though. People like this idea of the one man band essentially right. because we like this idea because I think it really goes back to just the American dream essentially. Quote, right. <laughs> Where it's like you're self-made and you started from nothing and you made it to the top and definitely didn't get thousands of people who helped you and definitely didn't just get born in a rich family that gave you an unfair advantage. Right. Yeah. yeah. But enough about my <laughs> hatred of Catholics. Yeah. No. <laughs> Can't even joke about that. People get mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck them. The other thing of why I think that it's, I would be shocked if they don't show this, at least portions of this movie in film schools is the one aerial shot of them in the maze whenever Jack Nicholson... Yeah, I was going to ask oh, about that. Just... Like, was that an actual aerial shot of that maze? No. That's what's really interesting about okay, it. Okay, because like, it looked weird. Like, it had this weird uh, Uncanny Valley effect to it to where, like, it looked like it could be real. Like, it was an aerial shot, but it looked like it was CG, but it was 1980, so they didn't have CG computers then. Like so. a trick of hand? Um, It's a very simple effect that they managed to do. Um. They just built a very small portion, like basically that middle portion, the encasing that you see them walking in. Yeah. And they built that and had them actually walk in it. 
and then they were up on a building up high and just lowering down. And then they got the model of the maze that mm-hmm. they built, like the one that was actually in that lobby there. Yeah. You see? yeah. Um, they just took that, and then they also did that same exact type of shot filming into it, and then they superimposed them onto each other. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that, that, no, that was a thing, because, like, yeah, that's a thing that they do. Like, that was one of the first, uh, whenever you see, like, somebody transforming in a movie, what they did is they just, like, basically shot that scene over and over and over again, and they just, like, laid the film on top of each other to where it was showing both our uh, both fil- our film cells of that scene. Yeah. yeah. So they did that, basically, but... One real and one fake. Okay. Yeah, so it looks like you're yeah. having this giant aerial shot into this small area, but it's really not. It's really, it's a really cool way to yeah, get that, that effect. Is, that actually is really cool. <laughs> I never would have thought about that. Yeah. Oh, also, um, the last, I guess this is the last thing. Okay. Um, the, the, the big end scene when they're in the maze and there's the snow everywhere. Yeah. And he covers the tracks. Right. That was in a studio also. And all of the snow was styrofoam and soap. Some sort of like soap or something like that. Yeah, some sort uh, of chemical. Like yeah, was no, gonna, it was salt. It was rock salt. Okay, um, I was gonna say. I remember hearing just, about that. That um, I remember hearing that it wasn't real snow for that last scene in the hedge maze. I couldn't remember what it was, but I remember it was like some super dangerous chemical that they didn't. They were like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so like it was rock salt that eats ice and pavement and stuff. Yeah, mixed with styrofoam everywhere. Um, so much so to where every week the whole crew was having to buy new shoes because it ate through the rubber of their soles of their shoes. Yeah, that makes salt. sense. Yeah, um, and then the other thing is that the studio they were filming in at the time, the entire time they were filming in it was apparently 90 degrees, so they're running around in these giant fucking jackets oh, in 90 degrees covered in salt. <laughs> yeah. Sounds awful. Um, but I guess let's get to uh, the final thoughts here. Let's start with E. Okay. As I said before, this is such a solid movie. I enjoyed it a lot, and... It is really unfortunate, the stuff about Kubrick, but that's one of the benefits movies have over a lot of other genres and mediums is it's a group effort. So, yeah, fuck Kubrick, but <laughs> let's commend Jack Nicholson. Let's commend Shelley. Let's commend the Donnie. Danny. 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 <laughs> like, uh, Scatman, <laughs> even, which that's actually yeah, a funny Scatman thing is, I don't know how many people knew this, uh, Scatman... Uh, he w- the reason why he has that name is because he was actually a famous jazz musician before yeah. this movie came out. Yeah. Uh, he was perfect in that role, by the way. Yeah. We gotta yeah. praise him. Scat I wish Man, he was. Ruck Brothers is yeah. so good. He is really His good character in this movie. deserved more, too. I really am I agree. annoyed that he just got like that and then was killed off. Yeah. Honestly, like, I think it would have actually added to the film if they would have just had scenes where Danny was like riding on his big wheel and having conversations back and forth with him. Yeah, that's, that- kind of, that's almost essentially what happens in the book. Like yeah, it, yeah. it made it, that's those are the best parts of the book. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been that would have been amazing to have in the movie. Just like kind of have that uh, that delay effect to where it sounds like you know kind of that dreamy delay effect while they're both talking to each other. Yeah, that would have been awesome to have in that movie. Well, like yeah, commend the efforts of those who deserve it, as yeah. Jack Nicholson wants. Uh, another thing, like I don't I don't know Jack Nicholson really, but he does <laughs> such an amazing job in this movie. Again, all the actors do, and they yeah. all deserve praise. But like Jack Nicholson, like. Like, the funny face thing is not my jam. I don't really like, uh, what's his name? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Uh, I don't really like him in that kind of role much, but, like, it works really well because, of course, the script works around it a lot better, but, like, Jack Nicholson has this, like, really good charisma and just generally works with the character so well. He owns the role. He does. Yeah. Uh, the shots in this movie are amazing. The foley in this movie is, which is not something I commend a lot of non-animated movies for a lot. <laughs> Like, 
you the sounds just are perfect um i haven't seen this in not 4k but i imagine everything looks so good in 4k according to Jiraiya. <laughs> <laughs> i i can barely tell the difference anyways but like the shots are so amazing and like you can see just every emotion on the actors and on their faces and just everything about this movie is so incredible in a way i wasn't expecting coming from someone who's not the biggest horror fan since they're a baby. Uh, <laughs> he did well with this movie, though. Yeah. It's just so great. Really deserves all the praise that it gets over the years. Even, like, the issues I have aren't enough to take away. Like, Red Rum's stupid, but <laughs> it doesn't take away from the movie. And I honestly, I'll give this a nine. Wow. Oh, wow. I really didn't expect that. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Awesome. Um, cool. Uh, Robbie. So once again, this is one of the movies that started to get me into horror whenever I was younger. Like I said, uh, I've seen this movie in almost every way, shape and form. I haven't seen the Blu-ray version of this, but I've seen the 4K. <laughs> so, but yeah, like watching this on T, like the TV version and then watching the VHS version of it and then watching the DVD version of it. And now the 4K version of it. Uh, it is a movie that keeps coming back, but once again, it's because it is a classic. It is done very well. Like I said, the style and the substance work together very well. Like a good example of like having that super uncomfortable scene in a bathroom that's co- colored a very uncomfortable shade of red the entire time we are in there. So it just kind of adds to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that they do the carpet in there, like weirdly enough, like kind of makes the scenes. Um, the film altogether was done very, very well. But it is like there is somewhat of a curse of knowledge knowing of like all the fuckery that happened behind the scenes, especially with Shelley Duvall. Like, she deserved better than what happened with her. Like, I, I, now that I think about it, the only scene that I've actually seen behind the scenes with her was uh, I remember seeing a short clip on YouTube one time of them doing the prep work uh, whenever he was doing that scene, whenever he was cutting down the door. And during that, like, Jack Nicholson's getting into character and he's, like, you know, running running in place and, like, just, like, kind of yelling and huffing and puffing and stuff like that to get the energy up for himself. And you can see Shelley Duvall just standing in the back giving a thousand-yard stare the entire time because she, like you said, this movie broke her. Yeah, it did. And, she had constant panic attacks. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, I don't think any movie is worth breaking a person either, but nevertheless, like, it's one of those, Kubrick did very good things for film, but I don't think he had to break people in order to do it. Yeah. Besides that point, this is very much a good movie. It is a staple of the horror uh, community because of how well done it is. I'd say all around, this is, uh, even with its flaws and everything, and with... Uh, some of the things that even you guys disagree with theory wise, which in my <laughs> mind kind of it kind of pieces this movie together better, in my opinion. But I'd say it's still this is like an eight point five for me. Cool. Cool. And Sam. Hey, what's up? What's up? How you doing? Doing all right. Cool. Anyway, what I think about this movie, what you do in the past. Week now? <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this movie? Final thoughts and a score. I think Robbie and E pretty much summed it up. But I think um, how he treated Shelley Duvall. It leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. I don't like it. <laughs> but at the same time, it, ugh, I don't know. It worked really well. But I I, so shitty person. He is, I like, <laughs> my main argument is I still feel this would have been the same movie and it still would have been very well done if he didn't break her mentally. I think so. I think so as well. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. It's, yeah. Definitely shouldn't have not have done, have been done like that. But... Um, putting that aside, um, I think this movie actually like still super holds up well. Like it, like from the beginning to the end, like you have this like 
a sense of anxiety and tension. And a lot of the scenes that I remember um, watching as a kid still give me like that uneasy feeling. And I think that's a a good a good thing, a good <laughs> sign that this still holds up well. Because, you know, a lot of movies that you watch like from that period of time just end up sort of being really cheesy when you watch it later on in life. But I, I think there are some cheesy moments in this, but um, I still think it holds up pretty well. Great atmosphere and uh, it's spooky. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys already said what I had to say, so I'll give it a nine. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. And as for myself, yeah, it's just a fantastic movie, honestly. It's one of the greats, and it's one of the greats for a reason. It's one of those ones where you hear all these amazing things about it, and you hear people praise it, and you hear people watch it every year for Halloween or whatever it is. And I could see from E's perspective being like, I don't see why. Like, it's just this movie. Me and him had to talk about what tradition and what makes tradition. Um, <laughs> how many times you have to do a thing before it's a tradition. But I think this is one of those movies that, like, people purposely make it a tradition to watch it every year because it just. It has that tension and it has that atmosphere and it has just these performances that make it be like, all right, I guess it's October now. Now it's Halloween month, which is very fitting that it is the start of our Halloween month. Every day is Halloween for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got those spooky vibes. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I honestly really do love this movie and the performances and just everything about it. It's. Every time I watch it, I enjoy it a little bit more, and I enjoy different parts of it a little bit more. It's a fantastic time. I am very happy to own it on Blu-ray, and I would say it is definitely a 9 for me. It's not a 10. It's not the perfect horror movie for me. The best horror movie, of course, is uh, Ed and Eddie's boo ha ha (laughs) (laughs) You have a problem, sir. (laughs) My problem is watching too many good cartoons. (laughs) Last couple things here is that uh, E really liked the shirt. That Danny was yes, wearing it was the great. Apollo 11 shirt. Yeah. There's a story behind that. <laughs> oh, no. Or behind what people think it means anyway. Okay. So for a very, very long time, people were dissecting this movie because it leaves a lot of things open. Mm-hmm. From that it's a metaphor for, to the Holocaust, uh, all the way to... It's a metaphor for Christmas. <laughs> Kubrick went out of his way to make this film in a very specific way so he could put that sweater on Danny so that he could admit... <laughs> That he helped fake the moon landing. What? Ah, oh, damn, I knew it. <laughs> That's how be... good Kubrick is as, as a director. I feel like if Kubrick helped fake the moon landing, he, it would have been way more dramatic. He would have actually shot somebody up into space for it to yeah, on the moon. moon. He would have actually done it on the moon. He get that real raw experience. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what people look at when there's a huge theory. And people really believe that Kubrick filmed the, moon, the fake moon landing. <laughs> or he, he faked the moon landing and filmed it. That's, that's people, people genuinely believe, and like, this movie was his, his way to admit that. Um, the other thing... What I about guess, the Mickey? Where does Mickey come into this Mickey play? kicking a football. Yeah, it's, it, unfortunately, it doesn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Come on. How are you going to make a theory and not get all of, the, all of your eggs into the basket? And then, obviously, this movie was um, wildly successful. Yeah. Uh, in a way that old movies are. It has obviously stood the test of time, and so it has a very wide market on uh, home video from people who buy and uh, on TV everywhere. It's been licensed out to everybody. Yeah. 
It cost about $19 million at the time, which is quite a bit of money. Yes. Uh, it shot for a year, so. <laughs> and uh, at the time, opening weekend wasn't the big thing. Like, that's not where they made the most money. Mm-hmm. Opening weekend was 622000 Over time, it made about $47 million. So, it made its money back, but it's definitely the test of time that has really made the movie a big success like it is. Yeah. And uh, I think the way that even you're able to enjoy it still shows that it's it's honestly, it's... Because it I don't like movies, of course. <laughs> no, it's just... <laughs> I, it, it feels like it doesn't feel old in a lot of ways. It no, can, it still doesn't. feels like, like it's a real movie. You could have told me this was made in the 2000s, so I probably would have believed you. Yeah, yeah. like, it, it feels... It just feels like a good movie and not a piece of history, which is yeah. nice. But E. Uh, hi. <laughs> uh, if people want to get a hold of us, where can they do that? They can do that on Twitter and Facebook. The last ones in podcast and the last ones in retrospectively. Retrospectively? Uh, Yeah. We have an email, uh, the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send all your colors of rum, more than just red. (laughs) (laughs) We want to see how many colors of rum you can name. Blue rum, green Green rum. rum. Green rum. (laughs) Green (laughs) rum. All right. And Robbie, take us out of here. So, if you're out there and you're still protesting and fighting the good fight, please do so safely. Wear a mask, wear gloves, use hand sanitizer, get tested. But if not, do what you can to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. Be safe out there, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week with some more horror movies. We're doing a bunch this month. Next week's the or yeah, next week's the scariest one. You guys better watch out. It's gonna be real spooky. Oh bye, oh bye, oh bye, oh bye. All right, you guys have a great week. Talk to you later. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Happy Halloween month and happy Halloween if you're goth like me. <laughs> happy Halloween existence. <laughs> happy Halloween existence. <laughs> <laughs>testing testing one two three test to test 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 three that's not a test yeah you should use some words that was nothing nothing came up robbie yeah do you want to lower that maybe how about now (laughs) yeah that's better uh sam uh maybe if some people weren't on their phones and we could get this done (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about hey sam's on her phone (laughs) yeah Yeah, you're you're on on your your phone phone, sam But I have to be on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like hypocrisy. Yeah. So pretend I we all clearly know <laughs> what, what the, ultrasound what the ultrasonic yeah. tank is. Except for Sam. I need you to explain it to Sam because you know. <laughs> but I think Sam probably has a better understanding than you guys because it's technically just a giant jewelry cleaner. Like what it is. Why, it, why it, would you think I would have a better understanding? What do you <laughs> clean the alcohol with? I mean, with? look how much jewelry you have in your what? face alone. <laughs> It doesn't mean it's clean. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we're gonna have to get this part out. (laughs) I just tried to drink. (laughs) Just slipped all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) You were desperately trying not to laugh. (laughs) 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 Tries not having a very good second half to this podcast. (laughs) 
anyone in a dark alley is usually not a yeah, good sign. Yeah, like, it could be, like, a two-foot-five person. Actually, if they're a two-foot-five, I might freak out more, because there's like, clearly a child in this dark alley. There's <laughs> clearly a child or a murderous midget, one or the other. Oh, sorry, a murderous small person. Thank you. Remember, Romania. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> but, yeah, I guess let's get to it. No, we you something? haven't read the back of the box. Fucking son of a bitch, every goddamn time. <laughs> Fucking time. Hey, at least he reminded you this time. He reminds me every time. <laughs> I, I, I try every week about something. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, why don't, why don't you read the back of the box for us, Sam? Yeah, Where Sam. am I? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs>